Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I am Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we're going to talk about a movie today. Go figure. Can you believe it? Well, it's not uncommon because last time we talked about a person. It's true that. Yeah. True that. If you haven't heard Estelle Getty, you should go back and listen to that Mm -hmm. because it's awesome. The movie we're going to talk about today is called Heat. You see, I, you know, I didn't really care for it. Yeah. It has Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy in it, and they just were not that funny to me. What? Wait. Wait. We're talking about The Heat, right? Oh, I don't know. Is it called The Heat? Well, the movie I watched was The Heat, and it had Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy in it. Oh, shit. Wait. Did you watch Heat, or did you watch The Heat? Heat. Oh, I watched the wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, You're confusing the fuck out of me I know. I should have. I should have told you the bit before I did it. No, there is a movie called The Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, and they play police officers. I may have seen that one. Bill Burr's in it, I think, for a hot minute. I, yeah. Did you actually watch that movie? I have not seen it, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Controversial opinion. I just, I don't really like Melissa McCarthy. I know. Um, She can be very funny, but I, I'm not a fan of her, like, I'm fat and dumb. Yeah stick that she does in her movies i know i i mean i get it but i also just i think she's funny so she can be she can be very funny yes but a lot of her movies are just like i fell down (laughs) and it's like it's like chris farley you know he used to say fatty fall down when he would describe himself oh that's true and i'm like "Mm." and and it's kind of tough it's tough to hear and then you also i don't know uh, us being overweight we kind of know yeah the feeling and it's like I don't really want to poke fun at that. Yeah, and not to go off on her, but her her whole thing just seems to be she looks strange. Like she does something where she looks weird to herself. Mm-hmm. Like there was that one movie where she wore like a she just kept wearing like um, uniforms or what that covered up her entire neck. Oh, okay. I don't remember what that movie was, but it's mm. just that's what she that was like the whole funny thing was like oh her 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 suits like go almost up to her chin. Okay. Or she just makes herself look weird, and then she's like, I'm stupid. Yeah. So, anyway, I did not watch The Heat. I watched Heat, and you should know, because I was there with you. Yes. (laughs) That's why I was confused. I'm like, what happened yesterday? (laughs) Yeah. Where was I? Was I in a different dimension? Was I in the Upside Down, and I didn't know it? (laughs) Right. Yeah, we're going back through Stranger Things now. Yeah, so... Probably going to have some Stranger Things references. If you haven't rewatched Stranger Things, I would highly recommend it because mm-hmm. we just got through season one and there is a ton of stuff I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't watched it since it first came out. And then when we did, I always joke about this now, but when we did, we had first met mm-hmm. and you did not have like a internet high def TV. Yeah, none so of that. we sat on <laughs> your couch the broken down couch you had at the time mm-hmm. watching the first season of stranger things on your small laptop on a tv tray yep it was amazing <laughs> i mean the memory that we made <laughs> is gonna be forever well i'm still sitting in the same <laughs> spot that i was before uh-huh. and now i'm just like and I, it hit me last night too almost every time we watch it i'm just like it's so crazy to think that in 2016 when, i think when it came out 
I was sitting here, but I was watching it on like a tiny TV, or a tiny laptop. Mm-hmm. And I joked with you before. I was like, I brought you into the 21st century. You sure did. And I brought my, when we moved in together, I brought my gigantic TV and my yeah. PlayStation and Xbox. And I was like, you can, you can watch Netflix here. And <laughs> Yeah, because I still had a tube TV. I yeah. mean, I had internet for my laptop, but I had the tube TV. So all I got was like cable. Right. Yeah. Now I'm like, wow, I was really missing out. Yeah. Uh, well, and what's funny, I think I told you that or something at the time, and you were kind of like, oh, I'm happy with what I have. Yeah. And then I was like, you just don't know. I was. Yeah, yeah I didn't know. And now I'm like, I can't go back. You're kind of like my parents. I got them a Roku at the time, where it just plugs into the back of the TV and gets oh. you internet. Yeah, that's fancy. Yeah, they were like, all this stuff on Netflix is free to watch? Mm-hmm. Like, all the stuff I'm looking at right here? I'm like, yeah, you, you guys are logged into my Netflix account, and yeah, you can just watch anything that's on there and just click and watch. And they're like... My God. <laughs> <laughs> go to town. Oh, gosh. So let's go through the, the cast. cast. This is going to be fun. I can't even think of words. <laughs> Robert De Niro, of mm-hmm. course, is one of the popular ones. He plays Neil. Yep. Al Pacino is Lieutenant Vincent Hanna. Mm-hmm. Val Kilmer plays Chris. And we got Amy Brenneman, who also plays in that other show called The Old Man. Yes. Yeah, I almost, when I saw her on the show, I was like, oh, she was in Heat, but I don't think you knew at the time. No. I was like, oh, okay. She has a history of playing women who get wrapped up with the wrong person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the old man is pretty good. Starts out great, and then it kind of fizzles out. Yeah, the first episode was really good, and you're right, it just kind of gets a little slower, and I think the last episode of the season was kind of boring. Mm. Hopefully next season it'll pick up. All right, Ashley Judd plays Charlene. Mm-hmm. Val Kilmer's wife, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Voight mm-hmm. plays Nate. Yeah, he he's very good, except John Voight has now become an insane uh, right-wing, like, he, he frequently uploads videos to his Twitter. Oh, about personal how, life? Yeah. yeah, about how Trump is the best person in the world. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman plays Lauren. Which I read on IMDb, this was her second movie. Dang. Diane uh, Benora? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. We're going to say that. Plays Justine. Yeah, Al Pacino's wife, yep. Tom Sizemore is Michael. Mm-hmm. Kevin Cage, Wayne Grove. And he's like the the bad guy, kind of. One of them, yeah. He's like the psychopath. Yeah, psycho bad guy. Danny Trejo, playing Trejo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, he's really great. Mm, I think the rest of these aren't like real big. Yeah. Uh, we did like Henry Rollins. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Rollins is in it as uh, Van Zant's like security guy. And then Dennis Haysbert. Yeah. He's in it for a brief minute. He's the, he's Donald uh, Creedy or I don't know if it says his last name, but he, yeah, he's, he's in it for a minute. He's the guy working at the cafe for a brief minute and then he's their driver in the big bank heist. And then Hank. Azaria is Alan, mm-hmm. who was banging Judd, right? Yeah, he's he's their uh, her, her guy on the side. Yeah, yeah, like because if it's her, she's the mistress. What's it if it's the guy? I don't know. Mistress? I don't. Anyway, maybe I don't know. Fling, 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 yeah. fling. Anybody else worth mentioning? All right, let's get into it. So, yeah, I mean, this this movie is great. Some interesting trivia about this movie is Michael Mann had filmed this as, like, a TV movie, if I remember right. 
mm. called L.A. Takedown. It's pretty much the same movie, just very cheap and with people that are not really well known as the people you just mentioned. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the whole thing. I did watch bits and pieces of it a long time ago when I found that out. But yeah, he just he got money and he was able to remake it. And I think that came out in like the 80s, maybe. L.A. Takedown. Okay. I don't think it was very well received. Mm. Uh, just again, not much money, and you know, and yeah. but uh, yeah, kind of interesting. He just went ahead and redid the whole thing, kind of similar to what he would do later with Miami Vice. He was an executive producer on the TV show in the eighties, and then in the mid two thousands, he made a full blown movie. Nice. So kind of comes back and makes his own thing. Are you reading a book or something about this? Are you reading something? Uh, yes. Yeah. As you can see, the cover there to your left. It is right next to me. <laughs> yeah. Heat 2 <laughs> came out not too long ago, and I was uh, trying to get to it as quickly as I can. I was reading Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Which you loved, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no. It's very different from the movie, which is not a big deal, but I just don't think... Like, spoiler alert for the book, the whole Manson family thing at the end, where mm-hmm. they get into the big fight and stuff, is not in the book at all. Oh, wow. They briefly mention it. Hmm. Briefly, briefly. They're like, oh, it got into a, an altercation with some hippies, and that was it. Move on. Yeah. And so uh, I found it kind of boring. Quentin Tarantino does put himself in the book. Yeah. Somewhat. His Apparently his stepdad, who was a musician is in the book. They go to a bar, and his stepdad really was a piano player at this bar in Hollywood. So he's like, oh, can you sign some stuff for my son, Quentin? And I was like, wait a minute. Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. And I looked it up, and it was like the name of the bar of the piano player is the name of his stepdad. Yeah, which to me doesn't – I'm not an avid reader, so yeah. to me I'm just like, well, it's his book. He, he can write himself in there. That's fine. Sure, sure. Me, I was just kind of like – that self-obsessed son of a bitch. No. <laughs> but Heat 2, yeah, so I'm I'm not very far into it now, but I am going through it. It's basically, it picks up right where Heat left off. Mm. Um, from what I understand, it's kind of like Better Call Saul, where it takes place before and after. Mm. Um, I have not gotten to the after part yet, but it starts in 1995, right after Heat. Uh, Val Kilmer's character is trying to get out of L.A. He's a wanted man. And... Now it has taken – it's gone back. I just got to the chapter where it goes back to 1988 where Val Kilmer is in Las Vegas. And there is a, a Heat 2 movie, right? No. Oh. No, no. Michael Mann just came back after – from what I understand, he came back and was like, you know, I've got an idea for it and I'd like to put it – you know, get it out there. So he made the book and now he's like, I would like to film this book. And I'm like, how in God's name would you film this? I don't know. Like all the characters – spoiler alert, Robert De Niro – he hasn't shown up in the book yet, but Robert De Niro is dead at the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. So he wouldn't have to come back, but if he does show up in the book in like the 80s, you're, I guess you could recast him with someone younger. Yeah, that would just be weird. Al Pacino, his character is in it, and how could, how the hell could you have Al Pacino look like he did at the end of this movie versus how he looks now? Mm, yeah, I don't see that I mean, you'd have to have a whole new cast, and it would just be different. Yeah. I mean, God, God, they couldn't, they should not do what they did with The Irishman. You know, that movie where they de-aged everybody? Oh, yeah. And you got Robert De Niro looking like a somewhat younger 70-year-old man. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was, yeah, that, it was weird. It, it, the technology is just not there yet. Like, Marvel movies, I think they do it okay. Mm-hmm. Like, when, whenever they've de-aged a character, it looked okay to me. But The, the Irishman was just not there. Like... Somebody and, and what's so funny to me is when all this happens, somebody online inevitably goes back and makes their own version of it 
and it looks great. Oh, wow. Like somebody went back and put their own version of like a young Robert De Niro, and they took what they saw from like his movies at the time and just put that in. Wow. And it looks amazing. Huh. So that's what they, if they're going to go for it, I think that's what they need to do. They need to look back on what he looked like at the time. And model that instead of being like, well, this is what he looks like now. Let's gotcha. take some wrinkles. Let's get the eraser out. Let's. <laughs> and and what also really doesn't work in that movie is the fact that they move like old people. Right. Yeah. They're supposed to be That's in their. True. Yeah, they're supposed to be in their twenties and thirties, and they look like they they're moving like they hurt. They, they have like, arthritis. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's that big scene. I'm sure anybody that's seen The Irishman knows, but. De Niro's daughter gets yelled at by a store guy that she works for, mm -hmm. and he goes and beats him up, and there's the scene where he does, like, a kick, and he's just like, eh, <laughs> eh. And go ahead and just uh, yeah. get my stunt double in here. Uh, they should have, because, yeah, in, in um, Goodfellas, Robert De Niro was kicking, looking like he'd kick the shit out of you, but in this, he's like, looking like his knees were going to give out. Yeah. But D didn't uh, think that through. Yeah. And they all had their pants up to their nipples, like Al Pacino in that movie. He's got his <laughs> pants up to his chest. If they decide to do Heat 2, I think they would have to recast. I don't know how in God's name they would try to do that. Yeah. We're just going to hope they don't. Uh, maybe. I, I did think that some parts of the book take place in present day. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. Which, if that's the case, they could get Al Pacino in there, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah. So I thought the opening was a little ominous. Yeah, it's kind of... Michael Mann is very interesting with his works where it's like the the location is kind of a character too like his movies are la and he did collateral with tom cruise and uh, jamie fox where tom cruise is an assassin going around town murdering people that are going to testify in a case mm. and la is very much a character like the locations the place just the the feel of it and it's yeah. very similar to this as well i didn't think of it that way but yeah like you don't think of a place being a character but this mm -hmm. This, yeah, totally yes. Yeah, because that's how it starts. You know, you're just getting the different locations of the place. Like you get like a train yard and the, speaking of collateral, when Robert De Niro gets off the train at the very beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. it's the same train that takes, is in the last few scenes of collateral. There's a big shootout on a train. Oh. So Michael Mann really likes LA. Oh, that's good. There was parts where like they're kind of showing him walking around and then he had black gloves on. And I'm like, hmm, sir, why do you need black gloves on? Yeah, yeah. This you, is fishy. It, it is, yeah. You get him, he's got like an ambulance driver uniform on as he gets off this bus or the train. Shows him like walking through a hospital. And then, yeah, he gets into an ambulance with black gloves on and drives mm. off. Yeah, that it was all very suspicious to me. You had already seen the movie. But to me, I'm just like, something's going to happen. Yeah, no, we... Everybody kind of doing their own thing here at the beginning. We get Val Kilmer's buying like demolition charges at a construction site, like mm. store. And I had to look it up afterwards, but the guy selling him these demolition charges is the lawyer that gets eaten off the toilet in Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> he has like one line in this movie, which is like, show me your ID. That's funny. And Val Kilmer shows him his ID and gets these charges. But I don't know if I would sell these to Val Kilmer in this movie because he's got like this long, greasy ponytail. Thank you. And he's got like a big scar over his right eye. Yeah, I mean, you should not sell to anybody that has scars on their face. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, not to be judgmental, but I was kind of be like, uh. but you know, at the end, this guy's probably just like, fuck it, you know, make a sale and move on. Yeah, and I'm glad you 
pointed out the ponytail because I thought it looked god awful. Yeah, it's like it's a character choice, man. I, I don't know. know why he's rocking that ponytail. I know, but boy, boy oh boy, it was it was not very attractive for him. No, no, and then we meet Al Pacino's character, and they're not a very long scene, but long enough to make it awkward. They're just like having sex in the morning with his wife, right at right at the gate. Yeah. I'm like, this is steamy. You know, I mentioned this to you, um, but I think that Al Pacino is probably like an amazing guy to hang out with. Mm -hmm. His character in the movie, um, their dating was probably wild and passionate. But this movie really shows you that like once you settle in with this guy and marry and get down and try to have like a normal life that he's just not there. Yeah, he He, can't have a normal life. He doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of, you know, they're having sex and it's like, Seems passionate at least, but, you know, he just doesn't seem to know, you know, his job means everything to him. Yeah. They say it later in the movie where he's like, all I have is what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that seems to be kind of, you know, it's a little admirable where someone who's like, he's very, very good at his job, but he's just very, very dedicated to it and really nothing else. Exactly. But we see Natalie Portman. He, she's the daughter of his wife. We hear later in the movie that this is his third marriage. Mm-hmm. and Natalie Portman is kind of stressed out. She's looking for her barrettes, um, right. like her hair barrettes, and mm-hmm. because she said her real dad is going to come and pick her up, and you know, we, we find out as the movie goes on that this guy just doesn't give a shit about Natalie Portman. He never shows up. He always abandons her. Deadbeat dad. Yeah, I feel so bad for Natalie Portman because she starts crying because she can't find it because she want, says something like she wants to be perfect for him or yeah. wants everything to be perfect. Just wants her dad to like her. <sighs> yeah, I know because she says he's going to pick her up, take her to school, and then he's going to take her to lunch. Mm-hmm. And Al Pacino has a line later where he's like, does this guy know what he's doing to her? And Yeah. You know, Al Pacino, he seems like a good dude to kids. Like, he seems like he actually cares about Natalie Portman. Exactly. If she was older, you know, like, I don't know if he could have a relationship with a, a regular human, but, like, you know, he's he seems fatherly enough to have a relationship with kids. Right, It's yeah. regular people he doesn't know how to deal with. Because <laughs> he's like, you know, to be a dad, this is what you need to do, and he's not doing it. Yeah. So he wants to bring justice to this little girl. Because mm-hmm. that's what he does. He brings justice to people. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Well said. Yeah. So we start to get the crew coming together. As I put him in my notes, we meet psychopath mm-hmm. Wayne Grow. Mm-hmm. He's like coming out of some restaurant and he's putting his shirt on, but he gets into this uh, truck. It looks like a tow truck with Tom Sizemore, Michael Chirito. Mm-hmm. Wayne Grow is working on the crew for the first time and, you know, he's all, he seems to be excited about it. He keeps asking questions and then, you know, Michael's like, yeah, we work together all the time. And he's like, well, you know, if uh, if you'd like, I'd like to go again if this goes well. And he's like, how about you stop talking, Slick? <laughs> and Wayne Girl, like, takes his sunglasses off and is, like, not happy about that. Oh, he's like, I don't like to be bossed around. Yeah. Because I'm psycho. <laughs> yeah, so this first scene is very, it, it's very, very cool, like, mm-hmm. just how it's put together. So the layout of it is, is that De Niro and Kilmer are in the ambulance that they stole. Tom Sizemore and Wayne Grow are in the the big truck. And Trejo is, like, following this armored car. Mm-hmm. So he's giving them updates as to where they are. Um, what happens is, is the armored car is coming down this road underneath the freeway, and then the ambulance, they come out in front like they're turning around to get it to stop. And that's when Tom Sizemore and Wayne Grow, the truck, 
just rams into the side, knocking it over. Like so hard, it knocked it on its side and it's like skidded, I don't know how many feet. Yeah. Like forever. Yeah. And I really think, I, I think they really must have done this. Like it looked real. They would have had to. Yeah. Like back in the day. Yeah. There is, you pointed out, there is some CGI in this movie that does not look that great. Oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, at least they're not trying to CGI people or characters or whatever. Right. At least that I know of. Val Kilmer then comes in. They've all got hockey masks on. And this is referenced in a different uh, game, Grand Theft Auto Five. You do rob an armored car with different masks on like this. So mm. this movie is very influential and yeah. just... But Val Kilmer gets up, he takes the demolition charges, he puts them on the back of the truck and blows it, and the charge is like so loud or powerful that it just shatters all the glass of all the cars around it. Yeah, I thought that was impressive. Like, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't show the effects of, you know, a blast. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, it blows up its purpose, but you don't see anything around it. Yeah, the, the effects. Yeah, yeah, and then so all the cars shattering, I was like, whoa. Okay. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, Michael Mann is very technical like that. Like, I was watching some stuff last night to kind of get prepared, but he does training for his movies. Like, he he is very technical where he'll, like, take all these people to a, tr a gun range and, like, have them fire real ammunition. Mm -hmm. So, like, when they shoot guns in the movie, it really looks like they know what they're doing. Yeah, that's good. Like, Tom Cruise, you could look it up online, but he went through a lot of training for Collateral to be a hitman. Like, using real ammunition at this range, like... And a lot of, like, fighting and stuff. So he really wants people to, like, make it look like they know what they're doing. As real as possible. Yeah. Which is the way to go. I mean, it, yeah. it, like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, I love this movie already. I don't care <laughs> what happens. That scene just made me fall in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and very how cool. everything came together. Like, how they made the shots of, like, the different, you know, the different couples in each in each car. Um, and how it just all came together and they did this yeah. heist, you know, exactly. I just ah, love this one. Yeah. They're very, very smart. And in this movie, everybody in this movie is very smart. Mm -hmm. Like usually the cops will be like, Oh, we almost got him," or, you know, or we're one step behind this guy. He, this guy is so smart, but they're both very, very smart. Mm -hmm. Like my, one of my favorite scenes is coming up here in a second, but yeah, they get all the guards out of the truck and line them up and Val Kilmer goes in and. They know, like, a 211, I'm assuming, is a robbery. Because oh, they yeah. said, 211, 211, and... We got 80 seconds. Yeah, he... Uh, Robert De Niro starts the clock. Mm-hmm. And so Val Kilmer's in there looking for bearer bonds, which... Yeah, I was even like, I know what a bond is. Yeah. I know, I, know, I get that. So similar, I imagine. Yeah. And so Wayne Grow, you know, he's, like, smacking this guard around. And uh, Chirito, this one little line right here gives him away later in the movie. He's like, hey, you he see that shit coming out of their ears? They can't hear you. He's like, cool, it's slick. Yeah. And so Val Kilmer gets the bear bonds and they're getting out. But Wayne Groves just can't have it. And he shoots the guard in the face. Well, the guard is like wide eyed staring at him. I bet he's in shock. Well, oh, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think he was meaning to intimidate or, yeah. or freak him out. Yeah, he was totally just shocked and... I took it as that he was, like, probably frightened. Probably like, had brain damage. Who knows, yeah. <laughs> but Wayne Gross shoots him in the head, and yeah. this other guard goes for a holster he's got in his leg, and um, Val Kilmer kills that dude, and then they look at the third guy who's just standing there, and De Niro gives him a little head nod, and they kill this guy, too. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, they have to. Yeah, and... They, they shouldn't, but... yeah. 
movie-wise, you can't leave anybody. Well, I'll get to that in a second here, yeah, with my favorite scene, one of them, but they get into the ambulance. De Niro is not happy. He's kind of beating the shit out of Wingrow a little bit, like, you stupid motherfucker! Mm-hmm. They get out of the ambulance, and Kilmer sets, like, a little bomb. They get into, like, a station wagon and drive off, and the ambulance blows up. Yeah. So we get a scene. Uh, John Voight in this movie is what they call, like, a fence. He's the guy that, like, can sell their stuff or get them in contact with people that would buy the shit that they steal. Mm-hmm. And John Voight's like, oh, these bear bonds, they belong to a banker named Roger Van Zant. He's like, you know what we should try? He's like, we should try to sell them back to him. He's like, he collects on the insurance on these bonds and gets 100% of his money back, and then he gets the bonds back, too. Mm. And De Niro's like, try it out. Sure, why not? See we'll see, see if we can't get more money out of this. And then Voight's like, what happened out there today? And he's like, don't ask. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can't even right now. So this is my one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where Al Pacino comes to the scene of this robbery. And he just... He pretty much knows everything that happened right away. Like, the guy that plays the villain, um, Buffalo Bill, in Silence of the Lambs, is one of the cops here. Yeah, Yeah, okay. he's the guy that's on the ground, and he's like, It took a million six in bearer bonds, left the loose, left the loose cash. Yeah. He's that <laughs> yeah. guy. He's got the mustache. He gets, sadly, he gets killed later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Al Pacino is like, he's like, they left the loose cash, and he's like, because they were on a clock. He's like, they knew our response, to a, response time to a 2-11. They got in, they got out, and he was like, I don't remember the whole thing. I used to know all this by heart, the lines, but they were like, he's like, what I understand is they shot this guy, and then this guy probably went for his ankle holster, and they executed, and he's like, I don't know why they killed the third guy, and he's like, he's like, because they've already killed two guys, what's the point? And mm-hmm. he's like, why leave a living witness? And he's like, at the drop of a hat, these guys are ready to rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> And I love the the guy, the other guy, uh, I forget his name in the movie, but he plays Bubba Gump in Forrest Forrest Gump. Or Mm. Bubba. He plays Bubba in Forrest Gump. Um, He's like, what do you know what these guys' M.O. is? And he's like, their M.O., modus operandi, like Mm. what their motive motive is. Yeah, he's like, the M.O. is that they're good. (laughs) He knows. (laughs) They are smart, and that is dangerous. And this is where we hear it. He's like, there's some dude standing there like a homeless guy with a TV set. And he's like, TV man, heard a guy, someone called Slick. And apparently this dude is a real homeless guy. Um, He's known in that area, or at least he was, that shop owners would leave like an extension cable out for him so he could hook his TV up and watch it. Aww. Um, And they just put him in the movie there for a minute. That's cool. Like, here's $100. Oh my God, I'm rich. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But... Hannah, uh, Al Pacino's character, is like, call the FBI and run the alias Slick. He's like, you're going to get the phone book. He's like, do it anyway. <laughs> so we now get the crew at the at the diner, and they're trying. They're they're not happy. They're ready to get rid of Wayne Grow. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And he's still trying to justify what he did. You know, he keeps telling him, he's like, I had to get it on, man. I had to get it on. They were going for the gun. And, and De Niro, just in the middle of this public place, slams his head down on the <laughs> table. <laughs> Everybody's all like, whoa. Yeah, there is a funny scene where this guy looks looks like what's going on, uh-huh. and Tom Sizemore mean mugs him like, mind your own business. And the guy just goes back to his paper. Okay. <laughs> but as they go out into the parking lot, De Niro again starts beating the shit out of Wayne Grow, and he pulls his, they, Trejo opens up his trunk, and it's just lined with trash bags, it looks yes, like. Yes, like they're prepared. They're ready to get this guy out. And wow. 
Yeah, but as he pulls his gun out to kill him, Chirito is like, hold it, and there's a cop, like a cop car in traffic nearby. Mm-hmm. This scene never really made much sense to him because he's like, he's standing right over Wayne Grow, and then when he looks back down, he's gone. Yeah. So you're kind of like, wait, how did he not notice that he got up and left? He's And he's, Wayne Grow's not a, a small man. No. So, yeah. But, you know, they, he had to get away somehow. Yeah, yeah, but he gets away and they can't find him, so that's the big... Wayne Grow is out there. Mm-hmm. So one thing this movie does is it kind of gives you an idea of these people's lives. Like mm-hmm. you don't really get much of it. There are some deleted scenes I watched that give you more and more of an idea of Michael Chirito's home life. He's got a wife and kids. You see them once in the scene where they're all at dinner here in a minute. But other than that, you don't really get more information. But you see, I pointed it out to you at the time, Robert De Niro at his house is like overlooks the ocean. And I'm like, this is like Michael Mann. Like he does this all the time where it's like these blue shots of people like looking out into the ocean. Yeah, it's so pretty. It is. Yeah, it is very pretty. And De Niro has nobody. He's just at, him, at his house alone. And then you see Val Kilmer come home to Ashley Judd. And do you know what kind of car Val Kilmer was driving here? Because it seemed like somewhat of a muscle car. Mm-mm. He drives off in a huff here in a minute, but... I didn't even notice, surprisingly. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) you get Val Kilmer's home life here now. He comes home to Ashley Judd, and she's like, he hands her some of the the money that he got for the job, and she's like, the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, I squared all the bookies away, and this is what's left over because he has a gambling problem. Mm. And she's like, you took all this risk for like 8,000, I think is what she said. Yikes. Yeah. I didn't quite hear or understand this part, so I'm glad... You're explaining it. Yeah, so basically... Um, <laughs> Just like, I know she's like, this isn't enough money. Yeah. What the hell's going on? So, yeah, um, Val Kilmer, he has a gambling problem. We hear later yeah. that he needs to take this bank job because uh, Super Bowl cleaned him out. <laughs> I get it now. Okay, I didn't quite... I'm like, is just is Judd just money hungry and she has to have more money no that's how i felt yeah okay he's got a gambling problem yeah in this scene she's like this isn't worth the risks you take she's like you got eight thousand dollars for this and he killed somebody yeah so he killed took somebody's life for eight grand you know so she's like this isn't worth the risk that you take you know and but but yes in the book when i just got to the 1988 part val kilmer is in vegas gambling and that's how he meets <laughs> ashley judd's character oh wow she is actually a a high priced escort mm. which i think we kind of get a little bit of that later when she's talking to the police at the end when they're waiting for val kilmer to show up i think bubba kind of tells her you know like oh yeah you know your son dominic hasn't had a chance maybe he'll grow up one day and steal a car or get into drugs or something like that I think he was kind of describing maybe what happened to her. Mm, maybe. But from what I understand, yes, Val Kilmer gambling at Las Vegas, and that's how he met Ashley Judd. She's wow. a high-priced escort at the time. Jeez. And in the IMDb trivia, it says she did talk to former prostitutes for her role okay. to kind of see like how they adjusted to regular life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why did you do it? What, were, what was it like? How'd you get out? Do you like your life now? You know, things like that. Kind of makes sense because she was in a dingy hotel with what's his face. Yeah, Hey Kazaria. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm just all like, ew. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It just it looked like a dirty hotel, you know. Yeah, they don't really go in depth on her being a prostitute, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, that's at least the book has clarified. Hmm. But Val Kilmer gets pissed off. They have a very volatile relationship where she's yeah. like, she's just bitching at him. She's like, you know, this isn't worth the money, and he 
picks something up and throws it and breaks something and he's smashing thing. He says a very nineties thing where he's like, You leave the car keys in the bank book and get out of here. <laughs> the bank book. Who has a bank book anymore? I'm assuming he means checkbook. Yeah. But it makes me laugh. <laughs> Um, she says if she leaves, she's going to take their son Dominic with him, and he does this little hop over a handrail. He's like, hops over, and he's like, you wouldn't even dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. Yeah. And this is when he leaves and drives off in a huff in his little muscle car. So we get a little bit of a scene of uh, Al Pacino's home life here. His wife says that, you know, Natalie Portman's dad never came to get her, and mm-hmm. he's like, does this guy know what he's doing to her? And we hear she's kind of like, you know— this is kind of bullshit. She's like, I made dinner and you never showed up. She's, she's talking about she's trying to make like a schedule for them, you know, to kind of keep to. And, and he just is not a part of it. Yeah. And she was worried because, I mean, I'm guessing he didn't call saying, hey, I'm going to be late. Yeah. Like he's just gone. And in the work that he does, she probably has no idea if he's dead or alive. Yeah, I know. And he has a cell phone. So you think you check in with her more, maybe. I know, right? Give her a little text. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, I don't know. No, no. He would fax her. <laughs> beeper. Uh, beep, give yeah. Her, he her does beeper. have a beeper in this movie, yeah. Um, Robert De Niro does end up meeting a lady. He meets Edie, the lady from mm-hmm. The Old Man, uh, in like a Barnes & Noble type bookstore, I would, I think. She says she works there as a graphic designer, like designing letterhead and stuff for the company or whatever. Yeah. He's very cold to her at the beginning because she's like, what book are you reading? And she's like, where are you from? And he's like, What does it matter to you who I am and what I do? Yeah, I love that, though. Because, I mean, he is a loner. Yeah. He's all about business. And if somebody starts, because she's obviously flirting with him. Yeah. And he has no idea. And he's all like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Right. Why do you want to know my business? Yeah. Why are you asking me all these fucking questions? Yeah, and she has an accent that they never really explain, but she has kind of like a southern accent. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, I see you come in here time to time. And, you know, I was just trying to make conversation it's like sorry my bad and then he very creepily starts asking her questions he's like where are you from oh do you work here do you like your job and i'm like oh how long you been doing that here and i'm just like he's not really answering any questions or she's not answering any questions about himself but mm-hmm. he's asking her all the questions well, i think it clicked like oh oh she she kind of likes yeah me. Okay. He does a very boss move here because when she sits down, she's one seat in between them. Mm-hmm. And as he's asking her questions, he moves into the seat next to her. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's a boss move. Yeah. And she's that, like, get over here. I should have used that. Except we didn't sit anywhere with a seat between us when we first met. No. <laughs> no, we I'd be like, not. I call this my heat move. <laughs> we can play it out. <laughs> sure. We'll do some role play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ask me questions and I'm going to act like I'm pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the other way around yeah i was like you're talking to me and i'm like what no, <laughs> no. <laughs> be like oh we role play oh kinky it was like yeah we, pr- we play out scott's favorite scene in heat <laughs> it's like oh later he comes back to my place yeah they do yeah they they end up going back to yeah. her place and this is where the cgi is where they're looking out across the city and the city is doesn't look great now. And maybe it's just because it's high def. I think it was just because it was blurry. Yeah. You know? They're looking out on Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they're like sitting, standing on a balcony. And it does not look the best. No. But he tells her he wants to go to New Zealand one day. And he tells her the story about like the ocean. that There's iridescent algae that makes it look like lights. And he tells her that he's going to go there someday. Nice. And she asks him if he's lonely, and he's like, I'm alone. I'm not lonely. Mm-hmm. And she, no, 
Yeah, and she's like, I get lonely. And then they, <laughs> they get it on. Yep, they go to town. And he does the thing in the morning. He wakes up before her and leaves, but he puts a glass of water next to her bed wrapped in a napkin. Yeah. And you pointed it out, but I was like, why did he do that? Like, why? And you were like, well, they were drinking. Maybe she's hung over. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, got to hydrate. Yeah. After all that sex. Six. All the sex. And so we get Al Pacino. He is trying to get information from all the local informants and like maybe what happened. And he goes to this, what looks like a dog fighting ring. There's all these dogs in ca- cages, mm. which made me sad. Mm. But he talks to this guy um, named Albert, who is a informant. And I told you at the time that Al Pacino has years later come out and said that he believes Vincent was doing cocaine during this movie. He yes. was like a cocaine addict. Right. And that explains why he's so explosive because he does the scenes, you know, here where he's like, give me all you got. <laughs> give me all you got. And he's like, yo, my brother Richard's going to help me, man. He's a, he, he was in Phoenix. He's like, Phoenix? He's like, when I get to Phoenix, I'll be rising. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, he, he does act crazy. But this informant, Albert, tells him that his brother Richard is going to talk to him. He's available tonight at 2. He's going to come by the club. Yeah. And he was like, be there. And he's like, well, I can't be there. I can't. And he's like, no, be there. Yeah, you better be there. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yes. I'm a crazy motherfucker. I do cocaine. <laughs> but my favorite line in the movie here is when Al Pacino walks away, he turns around and goes, don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was great. Which I put that on my uh, Facebook and I sent that to my friends in text. I was like, this is me as I'm starting to read Heat. And I was like, don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> So we get a scene where De Niro is sitting with this guy in a wheelchair talking to them about this bank job that he has for him. Yeah. And this guy, his name is Tom Noonan. He was in a movie called Manhunter, with, um, directed by Michael Mann. It was, and it's the first book of the Hannibal Lecter. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the first adaptation they did before Silence of the Lambs came along later. But it's nice to see him back in a Michael Mann movie. Yeah. But he's telling him about this bank job, and he was like, oh, he could get like $11 million out of this. And De Niro is uh, like, well, what about the alarms? And he's like, no, 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 what you do is he's like, I've got the boards. He's like, you just go in, you replace the boards, and it tricks the alarm out. So when they try to trigger the alarm, it doesn't go out. Yeah, pretty slick for those times. Yeah, and he's got all this like diagrams of the electronics, like mechanical diagrams and stuff. Mm-hmm. and. He's showing him, like, do you know that old printout paper where it was, like, white and green? Oh, yeah. He has some of that, and that threw me back. Oh, yeah. I had a printer. Yeah. Back then. I know. He's, like, he's looking at it, and he's, like, look, 11 million here. He's, like, oh, this month was 12. You had to match up the holes with the little gear things on the side. Yeah. Because if you didn't, fuck everything up. That threw me way back, seeing that type of printer paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while they're talking about doing this bank job, uh, Nate, who is John Voight's character... Which, he looks like Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. Let me pull up the picture real quick. I meant to show you this before we recorded. This is what Revolver Ocelot in the game looks like. Okay, I can see it. Yeah. Whenever they were like, oh, is a Metal Gear Solid movie going to be made? Who would play who? I was like, John Voight needs to play Revolver (laughs) Ocelot because he's got the mustache. He's got his hair, longer hair. I think it would have been a good match even though he's crazy now. But... John Voight is on the phone with Roger Van Zant, who is played by, oh my god, I William Fickner? Yeah, William Fickner. Amazing, amazing, amazing character actor. He's been in so many things. But he's the businessman, and they say that Roger Van Zandt's like a money launderer. His company launders money or whatever. 
But Nate's like, oh, we didn't know that these bonds were yours. If you'd like to buy them back from us, how about that? You get the insurance. And Fickner's all like, that sounds great. I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Get in contact with me. (laughs) And bye. Yeah, and this is where we see Henry Rollins. He's like his security guy. Yeah. Out of place, I feel. He doesn't look like he... Well, maybe. I know. I love Henry Rollins more than anything, but it's just so funny seeing him in a suit. Uh, Yeah. Um, but he's like, are you really going to deal with these people? And Fickner's like, I'm going to kill these sons of bitches. Yeah. Which I told you, um, the Dark Knight, the one with Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. is ba- is like inspired by Heat. And William Fickner is in it. He plays the manager of the bank that they rob at the very beginning of the movie. Holy shit. Yeah, so his, it's his love letter to Heat, really, is the Dark Knight. That's really cool. So De Niro comes back to his place and he sees that Kilmer's sleeping on the floor for some reason. <laughs> yeah. He's got like, he looks like he's got like some chairs and stuff, but... Kilmer does have a funny line where he's like, you need to get some furniture in here. And he's like, yeah, I'll get to it. (laughs) But Kilmer kind of tells him, you know, he's like, I love her so much. His wife, he's like, to me, the sun sets and rises with her. Yeah, because he talks about having to leave in like 30 seconds. This is the big line. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he goes, do you remember Jimmy McElwee from the yard, like prison? He goes, he used to tell me, never let yourself get attached to anything that you were not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat when you feel the heat around the corner. Mm -hmm. And that's when he's like. I just love her to death. Yeah. Well, he tells him She's he doesn't. She's my everything. <laughs> yeah, this is where he's like, I don't have any money. And De Niro's like, after everything that we've been doing, and he's like, Super Bowl cleaned me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So not only is he a gambler, he's a terrible gambler, it I sounds just, like. I Those words just did not compute in my ears. Like, yeah. I did not hear any of that. And I'm just like, I mean, I kind of get it. Okay, maybe he's just spending money. Yeah. I don't know. Or he doesn't invest well. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah, so... And what's funny to me is De Niro says this, but, like, all of the rest of his crew has family. Like, he says that walk out in 30 seconds. Maybe they all don't adhere to that because Kilmer has Ashley Judd and his son. Yeah. Trejo has a wife you don't know about, but you find out in the deleted scenes uh, more about her. He says her name Anna in the movie. And Chirito has a wife and two kids. So he's probably, like... You dumb motherfuckers. Yeah. He's like, you're going to walk out on these people in 30 seconds flat? They're like, we're going to have a life, man. Yeah. But that's his code. You know, he doesn't let him have any attachments and he's breaking it with Edie because he's having a relationship with her. Well, because he sees everybody else and he's all like, yeah, damn, I am lonely. There is a scene. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. But so we'll cut back to Pacino and he meets Richard, the informant's brother. And uh, it's played by the guy. I don't know if you know this. You probably know this song, but the brother Richard, he's got a voice that sounds like this, mm-hmm. you know? Sexy. He, yeah, not the way I did it. <laughs> but he sings the song Funky Cold Medina. Oh. Funky Cold Medina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was also in Ace Ventura as his friend. But he tells Pacino, you know, he's trying to give him stuff, but he eventually tells him that there is a guy that he ran into that he used to be in prison with. Uh, he was like, oh, I'm not doing anything big right now. I'm not doing nothing. And he's like, that's when I know that this guy's got stuff going on. He's yeah. like, because he loves doing jobs. Like, that's what he loves to do. And he was like, and Pacino's like, you ran into an old friend from jail. Oh, my God. So <laughs> yes. he's like leaving. Like, this is nothing. Yeah, and he's like, no, man, I'm telling you, this slick is no joke. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, <laughs> what? whoa, slick, slick, where did you say that? And he's like, that's what he calls people, slick. And he gets his name as Michael Chirito, and they immediately have one of 
the crew. Like yeah, they just, yep. All you need is one. Yeah, they find them so easily. It's like they're very good at their job. I mean, I know there's a song that says "All you need is love." <laughs> yes, but it's really all you need is one. All you need is one. I don't know what that that one can be different for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Pacino is like, I want 24-7 surveillance on this guy. Damn. And he's like, set this shit up because they, they're going over like his docket. And he was like, he's like, string of arrests from 1977, you know, like this, yeah, this guy. And he's like, 24-7 surveillance, get it set up by tomorrow. So De Niro, yeah, he goes out to try and set up. He calls Van Zant to set up a time to get the money from him for his bonds. And Van Zandt's mm. like, yeah, there's an old drive-in here. Someone will give you the package. Yeah. And that's when De Niro sees Judd is with a man. And he bursts into the room and he's like, who is that guy? Because earlier he was like, he asked Kilmer, are you with somebody? Do you have somebody on the side? And he's like, God, no. Nothing regular. And then then he asks if she does. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But then he's like, mm, I bet she does. Yeah, De Niro, he's like, <laughs> he's following her. Yeah. And he makes the call to Van Zant from a payphone, like right across from their hotel. <laughs> He's like watching, (laughs) but he sees Hank Azaria leave and he bursts in and he's like, who's that guy? He's like, who was that guy? And he's like, he tells her, he's like, you will make it work with Chris. Mm -hmm. And there's a funny line where she's like, I'm sick of his shit. And he goes, shut up. (laughs) So I was like, Jesus. (laughs) Al Pacino yelling at you. It's like your dad yelling at you. I know. But he tells her, he's like, look, you will give Chris one more chance. This is De Niro. Who did I say? Pacino. Oh, yes, you're right. De Niro says, you will give Chris one more chance. He's like, and if it does not work out, I will finance you to go away myself. Mm-hmm. He's like, and you will take Dominic with you. And he's like, that is my word. And he's like, and my word means something. It's right. Yeah. And I've heard people before, like when talking about this movie, asking why does De Niro do this for her? I think he just, he wants Chris to probably be comfortable. Like he wants him to be level so he can go into these jobs. Yeah. I felt like Chris was like the right hand man. He's really the heavy. He's doing all the work. He does, yeah. I mean, De Niro is the smarts. Yeah. Like, I, I, he's got, like, this sense, you know, yeah. when, when things are going to go wrong. And, you know, he can really fine-tune into, you know, details and stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, Kilmer is, <laughs> he does the heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that in a second here. But um, this is the scene. They're all out to dinner, like the crew is. They're all out eating and having a good time and... De Niro sees everybody at the table, and that's when he goes into the back room and he makes a call to Edie, like he wants to see her again. Yes. Because, he, re- like you said, he realizes that he's lonely. Mm-hmm. But the crew all comes out of this fancy restaurant, and they're, like, waiting to get their cars from valet, and the cops are on the roof across the street, like, checking them out. Yep. All of them are are found out now. Yeah. Because they, they were s- just, like, talking about each one of them. Yeah, they all got, they said they got bugs in Chirito's car, and they're like, oh, that's Michael Chirito, that's Chris Chihurlis. Val Kilmer's character, and they're like, well, who's Robert De Niro? Like, who's the loner? And they're like, we, we don't have anything on him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, get on it. Got to find out who this guy is. So the cops say that they have been following Sizemore's character. It says he has gone to a metal shop or like a warehouse three times this week. Mm-hmm. Like drove by or gone in or looked at it. So they think it's their next score. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. I've never really thought about it watching the movie before, but how did they know about it? But yeah, they followed him and there is a deleted scene later where Chirito goes, you know what, man? He's like, they got me. They found the score because of me. He was like, I went there after dinner the other night. I drove by just to check the spot out, and they must have followed me and seen it. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, shit. We get this side story that I get, that really could have been cut out, but I guess they just wanted to show what a monster Wayne is. He is finished having mm. sex with a prostitute. Mm-hmm. 
And she's like, he's like, was it a good time? And she's like talking him up. Yeah, like, very convincing. Yeah, and he's like, don't lie to me. And she's like, no. And she's like, well, I gotta get going. And he's like, you don't know what this is yet, do you? And he's like, the Grim Reapers come to visit you. Uh, yeah, fucking crazy. Yeah, it doesn't show him killing her. He just kind of grabs her hair and then it cuts off. And I'm just like, oh, what an asshole. Yeah, yeah. He Thankfully, he grabs her and that's it. And then... Um, kind of similar to the crew out at dinner having fun. We see the cops all out at, at dinner having like a party or whatnot. And this kind of solidifies that, you know, Al Pacino would probably be a great f- hang is that he's, you know, whining and dining his wife. She's like having a great time laughing. Yeah, they're all having a real good time. Uh, he gets a page and he says right before it, he's like, this better be earth shattering. <laughs> and he looks at it and he's like, oh, fuck. And it cuts to him going to the scene and this is the dead prostitute. Outside yes. of the hotel. Yes. And to me, I couldn't... Okay. I should have asked you to rewind it because when they showed her hair, she had like corn rolls. But the other lady, I don't think she did. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe she did. I, I, don't, I guess I didn't pay attention. She I was had, taking like, notes. really long and the other lady just had like regular hair kind yeah. of slicked back, I thought. But hmm. I could have. I could have seen it. You know, you know how I am. Yeah, I was taking notes. I guess I didn't notice her. It's just one of those things you don't look at, yeah. her hair. But, yeah, they say that, like, her head was bashed in, and mm-hmm. the coroner lady there that's there is like, if I, oh, run a test on the semen that they found, oh, okay. that it would be the same guy. They're like, this guy's killed the hooker like several DNA times. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, there's the story that Wayne Grow is like a serial killer, prostitutes. Right. That's what I got from it because I'm like, oh, this is a different girl. So he's done this before. Yeah. So he's he's a serial killer. So that, I mean, that makes sense. I got, I, you know, I just took it as the same girl. But unfortunately, the mom and sister of this little, of this girl oh. are there. Yeah, this is a weird yeah. scene for me. Because they said that somebody at the hotel knew this girl and called their parents first. Mm-hmm. But Pacino, it, it's you know, I I kind of like it because the mom tries to run up to the daughter and Pacino just kind of holds her and comforts her. I thought the shots were weird. Oh, yeah. Because when he runs up and they first kind of hold, they kind of do this little swing dance where they go around in a circle. Oh, you know, yeah. Like she's trying to go and he's pulling her around and it's just this weird circle hug thing. Yeah. And then she pulls away and then he pulls her back in and it's just, it was I don't know, it's just awkward to me. Yeah, kind of maybe a little strange, but yeah, I get it. I, I took the scene was just trying to show that, like, while he may be distant in his personal life, like, he's good at maybe comforting people or... Right. He's good at everything, but try to have a relationship, like a real one with this guy. Yeah, I get what they were going for. It was just awkward for me. Yeah. He's Henry Rollins in real life. Like, Henry Rollins has said, you know, like, or other people have said about him as well, that, like, if you're not... If he's not working, he really kind of doesn't want anything to do with people mm-hmm. where it's like he's like he said it once before where he's like you know i'm not that kind of guy where they're like well let's go out and have dinner and catch up he's like i'm just not that guy right he's like if you want to go grab a, a crew and go film a documentary about something i'm there right. so <laughs> you know he i think he may have some i don't know autistic or, or asperger's or something but he he just seems very intense on working and then when he's not he just he writes Wants or to listens chill. to music and he just hangs out but he doesn't do that for long. <laughs> he said, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. He said in one time where he was like, he got off the road of a big tour and he said like two weeks later, he was going crazy to get back out. Cause we've gone to two of his shows, right? Yeah. Where he just talks. And one where he talks. Yeah. And it's then... just amazing. Like he's so intriguing and he's just done so many things. 
Yeah, the second one was very cool. He was showing pictures of his travels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I think it's wonderful if somebody can go up and talk about their lives and fill, you know, a place. Yeah. And, and it be just so interesting. And I it's just, very... I just loved it. Yeah, he's very cool. He doesn't drink any water on his stage and he talks for like two or three hours. And he's kind of a motivational speaker, too. Yeah. Because he was just kind of like, hey, you want to travel across the country? Don't let the news and shit bother you. Don't let it stop you. Don't yeah. let it scare you. You know, I've met some amazing people, you know, traveling around. So I was just like, I don't know, that kind of yeah. hit, hit me when he said that. Yeah, when 9-11 happened, he was like, the news was like, don't go to these countries. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, I'm going to go over there and find out why. Exactly. And he has said it before. He's like, the the two times that he has almost been killed have been in the the states right yeah well, so. that being said you still have to be careful no matter yeah. where you go i mean use your spidey senses yeah he he did go through a thing where he got robbed when he was like younger he was living in a really shithole house and his friend got murdered and he was there mm. like in front and they, they got out but like yeah oh, he fuck. was he was almost killed and he's like he said was in the states he never got tr- almost i mean he's done uso tours and stuff and he's heard bombings while he was at the military bases but He's like, the closest I've ever come to being murdered is in the U.S. I believe it. But So Pacino comes back to the party to pick up his wife. She did not go home with anybody or let them take her home. She was waiting for him. Are we going to talk about the movie theater or drive-in? So the there is a scene where, yes, De Niro is trying to get the money that he thinks from Van Zant. So he meets at this abandoned drive-in theater. And it's him. He's sitting in like that Volkswagen, whatever. And he's got like an earpiece in. Mm-hmm. There's a guy. He was parked next to him and he's like toss the money over he's like he's telling him he's like keep your hands on the wheel let me see both hands yeah and this dude slowly gets out of the back of the car and kind of comes around to shoot de niro from behind yeah he's in the back of the truck yeah but thankfully kilmer is watching over from afar and he sees him and he tells de niro that and de niro reverses and sideswipes this guy pins him between the two cars man this shot i mean you could see the guy rolling yeah like as the the cars are swiping yeah so he's getting he's getting squished in between the two yeah it's vehicles. it's rough it's very rough and then de niro like puts it in forward and drives and he he does this weird thing where i imagine that if he did it in real life he would be fucking deaf where he shoots through the windshield in the car yeah maybe it's for better accuracy but he's trying to shoot this guy that tried to kill him and kilmer uh, from his vantage point, shoots him and spins the guy around, and then De Niro just runs over him. Yeah. He goes, flips over the car. And you can see he's fucked up. Like, his yeah. leg is all bloody. And... Yeah, it's like his arms all up and stuff. Yeah, and yeah so he, he hits this guy, and he goes flying over the car, and then the dude in the truck that dro- he drove away, you know, Tom Sizemore comes out from behind a little point and you just shotguns this guy's to death yeah and the truck it's very interesting the truck just keeps going and then just hits the wall and stops <laughs> it's like jesus i mean that's teamwork right there yeah he didn't doesn't do anything alone but um you see them they look in the bag to find money and it's just paper it's just blank paper mm. i missed that part but i figured i figured as much because yeah they're walking and he's got the package that they were going to get for turning in the bearer bonds and it's all blank and they looks like they go to some restaurant. They're in the back of a restaurant. He makes the call from a phone, and he's talking to Van Zant, and he's like, "Forget the money." He's like, well, "What are you talking about? It's a lot of money." And he goes, "No, nah, the money." He goes, "My associate went to meet you guys. Have you heard from him?" <laughs> like he's trying to play dumb. Yeah. And he's like, "He's like, I'm talking to nobody." 
he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm talking to an empty telephone because there is a dead man on the end of this fucking line. Whoa. Yeah, and he hangs up. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, like, that is badass. Yeah, and Van Zant looks like so scared. Yeah, he's all like, I done messed with the wrong person. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, we circle back around to Hannah goes back to the party that he was at and he sees that his wife is still there. She didn't let anybody like drive her home. And she has some more lines about like, you don't really care about this relationship. You just care about whatever's in front of you or like what you're chasing. Yeah. And she's like, why don't you share any of this with me and tell me what is going on? Oh, yeah. And then he's all like, oh, you want me to tell you about yeah. how this guy got high and put his baby in the microwave? You know, and I'm all like. Yeah, he's like, I told you when we got together, baby, that you were going to have to share me with all the other bad people in, in the world. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this isn't sharing. She's like, you're not you're not saying. He's like, well, let me. How about I tell you this? How about, hey, honey, I went into a house today and some junkie put his baby in the microwave because it wouldn't stop crying. So let me share that with you. Uh, so much better said, but I, well, I can I can quote some of the lines in this movie pretty well. I don't know the wife. I was kind of like, you marry this guy, yeah, you know what you're getting into, and now you're complaining about it. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she again. I think that he was like probably a very passionate person in their dating. Yeah, like he was going after her. He was chasing her at the time. You know, he wanted her, so he probably put on a good show and was fun and passionate and she's probably probably dangerous and then she's like oh that's gone because he's already got me and he doesn't know what to do with me mm. that's how i view it okay so she's probably yes she probably thought maybe he would open up to her but he's just like i can't he even has the line where he's like i gotta hold on to my angst it's like it keeps me sharp keeps me sure he keeps doing the thumb clicks throughout the whole thing yeah i don't care for that it keeps me sharp <laughs> i don't know i have mixed feelings on that i mean i kind of i get both sides because i like to see both sides but yeah Still, I'm just kind of like, you marry this cop. Yeah. I mean, especially like a detective. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to have to come and go whenever yeah. they, they can. You, they don't have a set schedule. It's like I told you, when he meets that criminal informant, Richard, he says, meet my cousin Richard at two in the morning. And I told you, I was like, boy, how could you have a relationship with somebody mm -hmm. if you're out all night? You can't. So we do have a side story here that I think we might have missed, but I mean, we can come back to it. There is this character, Dennis Haysbert. He is a parolee. I think he just got out of prison. Yeah. And he's talking to, I'm assuming, his wife or girlfriend. Yeah, it re they really didn't say. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I was like, wait, is it his mom? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too young to be his mom. <laughs> well, you know. But there's this lady and, and Haysbert. It's like, oh, this is the place my parole officer told me that they have a job for me. It's like a little diner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Haysbert goes into the diner and he's like, he seems like a nice guy. He's like, hey, my parole yeah. officer told me you got me a job. How, how can I do? And he's like, I'm pretty good grill, man. And this boss is just an asshole to him. He's like, that's great. You're going to be cleaning out toilets and cleaning the bathrooms and be emptying the trash. Like everything. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to... um you get any any of your tips, 25% goes to me. He's like, that's how it goes. He's like, you come in. He's like, you give me any talk back or something, or you come in high or drunk, I report you to your parole officer. Yeah, like basically like you're going to do everything I say or I'm going to send you back. Yeah, yeah, you're going to do the, the ter most terrible work you can get here in a diner. And yeah, and you're going to have to enjoy it. So Ugh. there is a scene later where he's sitting like in a booth at a restaurant, maybe even the diner, and he's kind of breaking down. He's like crying. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, I am so proud of you. And he was just like, I, he's like, this is terrible, like this work. And she's like, you, it hit home for me because you've told me the same line where she's like, can you handle it until we find you another job? Right. Which you have said that line to me many times. I know. When I was working at Chase and working at an insurance company, I was just like, this job sucks. And you're like, can you stay with it until you find a new one? Keep going. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can't lose your income. Love ya. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> and he was like, he even has the line, and Dennis Haysbert's murdering it in this scene. He's like crying. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why are you with me? And she's like, I am so proud of you. Yeah. Which later is kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, it. this could be cut because what's, what I told you about this scene after mm-hmm. is like this scene, like the one where he goes into the restaurant and, you know, gets the job happens and then you do not hear from him for quite some time right yeah and you're kind of like didn't i see a scene with a guy getting a job at a diner he's a weird character i have to say yeah i get it you get some more information and it makes you feel some more for the character but Mm -hmm. like the pacing of it is a little strange because you see that and then then like 40 minutes later maybe you see him in the diner crying and you're like oh i forgot about this guy where the hell is that going (laughs) yeah no i agree so we get a um, a scene where De Niro is they're talking to Edie or he's talking to Edie and he asks her if she wants to go to New Zealand with him and she agrees that she would. Right, because she thinks he's a salesman. So we get the big metal place, metals job. They're they're De Niro and the crew are at this factory or whatever it is. They I don't know exactly what it is, but it's got a bunch of safes in it. It looks like, or they're trying to drill into a safe specifically. Mm-hmm. But the way it is is that they've got Michael. He's got, like, spikes on his boots, and he climbs up a pole to monitor the alarm. Right. To basically disable it, I guess. Yeah. So they can open the door mm-hmm. and get inside, yeah. And then Kilmer, like we said, doing the heavy work, he's drilling into this safe. Mm-hmm. And De Niro is the lookout. Yeah, hiding in the shadows. And Pacino and the cops are there, sitting in a truck. And you were like, wouldn't they know just a truck sitting there? But you see it in a minute, and it's like one truck among three. Yeah, it's like a business with that yeah, had like trucks with the it. same kind of trucks. Yeah, so, so they yeah. hit it a little better. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. would be funny if it was like Pete's parties, and you're like, "What's that party <laughs> truck doing over there?" I'm like, if he doesn't pick up on that, you yeah. know how they said how smart he is, I'd be <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, he's an idiot." So Pacino has said that what they want to do is they want to catch these guys coming out after they've done a robbery, mm-hmm. and that'll put them away for a long time. Catch them red-handed. Yeah, so. They're partnered with, like, other police, and there's, like, this rookie cop. This guy, they make him look kind of pathetic. He's got these gigantic glasses. Yeah. And he's kind of pacing. He's like, he's like, Chief, uh, my boss is asking anything going on. And he's like, stay off the radio, for God's sakes. <laughs> so they're, they're in there trying to rob this place, and the cop has his gun, like, slung around his back. And he sits down, and the gun, like, makes an, it hits the side of the truck as he sits. And De Niro is immediately just like, Whoosh! looks mm-hmm. over and sees the trucks and there's a great scene between them where it's like they're looking at him in infrared or whatever right. it's like black and white and you see De Niro's like looking at Pacino and Pacino's looking at him and the cops are like oh my god did he hear it they're like holding their breath yeah. just to see what he does yeah De Niro runs back inside and he's like we walk and Val Kilmer's like what I'm almost there and he's like walk and they leave everything. Like, you see Val Kilmer take his vest off and his gloves, mm-hmm. and they just leave this big-ass drill there, and they just leave. They're like, okay, that's what we do. Yeah, and the cop is like, the the other cop is like, all right, we move. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like, do not move. He's like, they didn't take anything. Yeah. Like, he, all we got him is breaking and entering. That's it. Yeah, he's like, 
they they do six months and then they're out. And he's like, well, I'm not taking the heat from my boss. He's like, I have control here. You will stand down. He's like, they will walk and you will let them. And he throws the radio and he's like, fuck. Yeah. So it's very cool. And then it shows them all getting out of the truck like early in the morning. And I just, I wrote in my notes, I felt bad for this cop that sat down and made the noise because I imagine his career is over. Yeah, it would be me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm a bull in a china shop because I'm just all like, yeah. I have to be quiet. And that's when I'm like, everything crashes. Right. And I keep bumping into things. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> uh, Pacino does have a good line here where he's like, back to work. And he just walks away. <laughs> so we get the scene now where the crew, De Niro and his guys, meet under like a power station, like where all these power lines are. Mm -hmm. And in the deleted scenes, it does mention that this would interfere with any um, like bugs that they have on their cars. Like this station that they're underneath, like the power lines would interfere oh, with it. Okay, cool. But De Niro is like, where the fuck did all this heat come from? Mm -hmm. And Kilmer's like, maybe they were onto the job and not us. He's like, that place gets hit a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And and then De Niro's very smart. He's like, let's just assume that they've got our houses, our cars, our phones tapped, and make sure that just assume that they've got everything. Mm-hmm. Just smart. Yeah. And so he was like, All right. And Kilmer's like, What about the bank? And he was like, you know what, we should we should cut loose of this right now and just go. Mm -hmm. He's like in you know, in an hour or what, we go our separate ways and we're home free. And then Kilmer was like, you know, I need it. Right. He's like, I need the money. He, like, I have to do this. And then De Niro is like, all right. He's like, what about you, Michael uh, Chirito? And he was like, well, you know me, man. I'm I'm good with whatever. And he's like, not this time. He's like, you need to make a choice. And mm -hmm. he has the line where he's like, to me, the action is the juice. Like, he gets off on doing it. Like, the money's not really that great, but he just loves doing the stuff. Right. And then Trejo agrees. So he's like, all right, well, we're going to pull the bank job. We got to get going. We got a lot of planning to do. Mm-hmm. Lots of planning. Which there, man, I think the scene coming up is one of my favorites, too. Okay, you'll have to point it out. Is it not yeah. the one where, the one I'm about to talk about is where they go to Hank Azaria. Al Pacino does. He finds Hank Azaria and he's like, oh, we'll take you to jail uh, for smuggling cigarettes, you know, years ago. Unless you work for us, because he knows that Hank Azaria is having a relationship with Ashley Judd. Oh, that's right, yeah. And he's like, you have to work with us. He's like, we need you to get to Charlene to give us information about her husband and his crew. Right. And Hank Azaria is like, why did I even get involved with that bitch? <laughs> this is an improvised line. Oh. Pacino goes, because she's got a great, and in the movie he goes, he looks like he's about to say butt. He's like, she's got a great ass. <laughs> he's like, you got your head. All the way up it, <laughs> up in that ass. And Hank Azaria goes, Jesus, that was not un that was unscripted too. His reaction was genuine. <laughs> I love that. And he goes, you know, there's something about a good ass. It brings something out in me. <laughs> and I told you this was this movie was kind of the start of Pacino going crazy, like he where he would do mm -hmm. that in the movies. But yeah, he just bursts out, which is a great signature. I mean, to, yeah, and he does it so well. Like it just, I don't think in. Like, yeah. anybody can't do that. Right. But he can, and it's great. I think that movie, maybe Scent of a Woman, where he plays the blind Marine, where he's like, he keeps doing hoo-ha throughout. Hoo-ha! <laughs> maybe he was like, well, that, that won him his first Oscar, so he's like, I'm going to keep doing it. She's got a great ass! <laughs> you got your head all the way up! <sighs> this is the next, when De Niro and the team are surveillancing what looks like their next job. It's like a shipping yard, yeah. Yeah, that's what... This is my favorite. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because they're all in the middle of this yard, and he was like, we got two 
exits over here, like two bridges and stuff, and the cops are taking pictures of them, and then the crew leaves, and then the cops are down there where they were looking. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they was looking back this way. And they were like, well, this shipping yard doesn't carry a lot of money on it. They pay in check. And he's like, neither does this company over here. And he was like, what are they looking at? And Pacino's like, you know what they're looking at? And he's like, is this guy something or is this guy something? Yeah. He's like, I think I got an idea of what they were looking at. They're looking at us. <laughs> yeah. He's like, LAPD. He's like, we just got made. He's like, <laughs> the police department. And then it cuts and De Niro is pretty much in the same spot that they were taking pictures of them mm -hmm. down and Pacino is just like, okay. He's like, is this guy good or is this guy good? And he's like, okay, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> and De Niro kind of smiles because he knows that, you know, that he right. knows. Yeah. They're like, they figured it out. Like, we're smart, but Pacino's smart too. So I think that's great. Yeah. I love this scene here too because um, De Niro goes to Voight and they're sitting in their car and Void is giving him information on who Al Pacino is. Yes. And he's like, Detective Vincent Hanna. He's like, he's taking heavy crews. He's like, the man's been married three times. What do you, the fuck do you think that means? You like staying home? <laughs> he's like, this guy is always out on the prowl. And he says to him, he's like, this guy can miss a couple of times because he's like, I, if I were you, I wouldn't do the bank job. And he's like, the bank job's worth it. And he was like, this guy, Hanna, can miss. He's like, you cannot miss once. Right. Yeah. So true. But I just, I love that line where he's like, this guy's been married three times. The fuck do you think that means? Like staying home? <laughs> I love that so much. No, it means it just didn't work out, okay? Yeah. Well, speaking of his home life, Pacino comes home and his wife is like getting ready to go out. Yeah. And he does that like, where are we going? Getting all dolled up. And she doesn't say anything and he's like, where are you going? And she's smoking a J. Oh, was she really? Huh? Oh yeah, she's getting high. Damn. She says later, she's like, I may be stoned on weed and Xanax, but. <laughs> so Pacino leaves and he gets in a helicopter and they're surveilling De Niro. And Pacino lands and gets in a car and pulls De Niro over. And De Niro puts his gun underneath his seat like, you know, if something happens, he's going to take him out. Yeah, which I was like, oh my God, is there going to be a shootout right now? Yeah. Is this the end of the movie? I think we still have another hour to go. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs> Pacino, he, I think he has his gun out too. Yes, he does. Just in case. But yep. yeah, Pacino walks up and he's like, what do you say? I buy you a cup of coffee. He's like, yeah, all right. He's like, sure, let's go. He's like, follow me. Man. And hence, probably the greatest scene. Yeah, this is one of the one. One of the best scenes in the movie. And mm -hmm. just everyone talks about this scene. You know, there's a scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker and Batman are talking in a police station and people were like, well, that's like that scene in Heat. But I love this scene so much because it's just. They're just talking, and this movie is based on some real events where there was a cop who did chase after a thief. I don't think he was stealing from banks and stuff, maybe like a low-level thief, mm. but he did end up having coffee with this guy at one point. The, the cop did with the thief, just mm. talking like regular people, and Michael Mann was like, well, that's a really cool idea. You know, I want to make a movie about like these two guys that are similar you know, and have coffee. And Yeah, it's like they know who each other is are yeah <laughs> use the right words they know who each other are and they're just kind of talking openly but also yeah. in a i don't know in a roundabout way yeah if that makes sense it does know. like i don't know what i'm trying to say but i think you do i do I, and i told you <laughs> when the movie was over i was like you know they are the same person like these people are probably the only other person that kind of knows what they do or what they're right. like exactly and if they both were cops, they'd probably be best friends. Or if they both were yeah. robbers, they would be 
best friends. They would work well together. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, but he, you know, De Niro even says it where he's like, if you got to keep trying to keep a marriage and you got to move when I move, how do you plan on keeping a marriage together? Yeah, he points out his three marriages or something, I think. Yeah, because he's like, because uh, Pacino says something about like, you ever thought about having a normal type life? And he's like, what the fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? Like, <laughs> and he's like, how about you? And he's like, me? No, no. He's like, my life is a disaster zone. Mm-hmm. He's like, my wife and I are passing each other on the downslope of a marriage, my third. And her daughter is so fucked up from her stepdad, her real dad, is some highline type asshole. Yeah, like they're they're being open and candid about their life, yeah. but well, it yeah. If we ever went to L.A., I would love to go to this place, but apparently it does not exist anymore. No, they used to have How photos. How are we gonna go there? Well, we wouldn't. Okay, we just go to the spot and be like, but yeah, this is where it was. Yeah, they used to have like photos and stuff there of that scene. Oh, okay. And people, they would sit people at that table, be like, "This is the table." We'll bring a picnic. Yeah. And if it's like somebody's front yard now, we'll just have a picnic yeah. in their front yard. The the owner is just like got a gun, like get away, get away, <laughs> no more heat, people. This is what we gotta do, okay? Yeah, but um, you know, they have that great line where Pacino is just like, you know, we're sitting here talking like a couple of regular fellas. He's like, but now that we've been face to face, you know, if I gotta put you away, I won't like it. He's like, but if it becomes down between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're going to make a widow, brother, you are going down. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, he's like, there's a flip side to that coin. Mm-hmm. He's like, we've been face to face, yeah. He's like, but if you got me boxed in, I will not hesitate. Like, yeah. Not for a second. Makes sense, too. Yeah. I mean, each side, you know what they got to do. Yeah. He's like, because I'm never going back to jail. He does have a really funny line here where at the very beginning, Pacino's like, you did 10 years in Folsom and five years in whatever prison. I forgot. And he's like, is that as hard a prison as they say? And he's like, what are you, a penologist? And I had to look that up years later or years ago. But a penologist is somebody who studies like the effects of prisons. Oh. So a very, very smart line where he's like, what are you, a penologist? Interesting. Yeah. Now, at this point, I thought, okay, at the Indian of this movie is going to be them killing each other. Yeah. They both die. That's how it ends. You would think, yeah, or something to that effect, yes. So they get done having the having their coffee, and then they the police tell Pacino that they're, the crew all dumped the surveillance that they had on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, De Niro drove into LAX and dumped all of their, all the surveillance because they can't fly over there, and then his crew, they all slipped their tails, and... He was like, does anyone have any idea where the fuck these guys are? <laughs> and it turns out they're in the bank, like underneath it or something, and they drilled in and they're switching out the alarm boards. Yeah, they're, it's happening. So we get the scene where Roger Van Zant, he's in his office, and Henry Rollins is like, we got a guy here that wants to meet you, and it's Wayne Grow. Mm-hmm. And he, Roger Van Zant says something where he's like, I've been living in this office for a week or whatever, basically not leaving and he's like, do you have any information? And he's like, yeah, I got some information on Neil. So this is the day of the robbery. I think they're all like doing their pregame ritual, I guess, eating breakfast together at this diner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gotta eat. They're like, all right, we'll all meet up at eight and then we'll go hit this diner or hit this uh, bank. But um, De Niro is like, do you recognize the grill man? And it's Dennis Haysbert's character. That's right. And yeah. Val Kilmer is like, they, they did time together in jail at some point. But Trejo, they can't find where he is. He's not showing up. And then they're like, where the fuck is Trejo? But he calls him and tells him to call him back on a payphone. But Trejo tells him that he can't slip his police. He's like, police are all over him. He can't get rid of him. Can't shake the caps. 
And he was like, I could try and slip him again and then come meet you guys. And De Niro's like, well, how would we know you slipped him? He's like, that'd bring a lot of heat on us if you didn't. Mm -hmm. And Trejo has a good line where he's like, the last thing I wanted to do is let you down. So, and in the deleted scenes, we find out that Trejo did this because Wayne Grow and Henry Rollins and a couple of other guys are at his house holding his wife hostage. Mm -hmm. And Wayne Grow was doing that, and Wayne Grow gets all the information about the bank from him there and just, you know, beats him to death, pretty yeah, much. it's awful. So, them not having a wheelman for the bank robbery, De Niro's like, oh, he goes back into the kitchen and meets Dennis Haysbert, and he's like, hey, are you... You know the drill, right? You need a wheelman, someone to monitor the police scanner. Yeah, are you free in five minutes? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, one word, yes or no, are you in? And he's like, fuck it, yeah. <laughs> yes. And that I, is not yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> and as he walks out, Dennis Haysbert, the boss, is like, hey, where the hell are you going? And he throws him to the ground. Yeah, which he kind of deserves. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, that's, that's a boss move. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there is an interesting scene here before the bank robbery takes place, but we see all the wives of the women. We see Ashley Judd. We see Michael Chirito's wife. They're all like kind of watching TV or doing their normal daily routine. So they all go into the bank, like, and I'm surprised no one notices their guns. I guess they're kind of tucked into their jackets because they're all wearing smart suits. Yeah, and they're wearing gloves, too. Yeah, wearing gloves. But they all walk in, and then Val Kilmer starts it off by beating a dude with a blackjack, which is just like the thing with, like, ball bearings or something heavy in it. It's, Ooh, like, hitting yeah. him in the face. And they all take out the guards in there, and then they all put on their masks like mm -hmm. their black masks and De Niro gets up on the table and he was like, we are not here for your money. Your money's insured by the government. You're not going to lose a dime. Mm -hmm. And he's like, everybody lean, everyone get down. He's like, if you have heart trouble or you feel sick, he's like, lean against the wall. And I'm yeah. like, oh, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, he's just being honest. Yeah. And this bank is big and it's busy. It's very big and has a lot of people. And around. I'm just like, wow, they're ballsy. Yeah. And it's only three guys. It's him, Sizemore, and Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Val Kilmer goes back into the bank. He's got, like, a little briefcase. And then in the briefcase, he has, like, this gigantic duffel bag. He, like, pulls out. Yep. He just puts it over the money. He cuts the plastic around the money so it can move around so it's not, like, a big brick. And he zips it up and throws it out yep. the door. Like, very professional. They smooth the as shit. Exact size. Yeah. I mean, this was just, yeah, smooth. So they get three bags. They all leave, take their black masks off, they put sunglasses on and start walking out. And the car with Dennis Haysbert is like right out front. So uh, Tom Sizemore gets out first, De Niro walks out, and we have seen that the cops have gotten a tip that they're hitting the bank. Mm -hmm. Like they just get an anonymous tip, or not anonymous, but they get a tip that the bank is going down, so all the cops are converging on this bank. Right. And you see uh, Pacino, they're all like loading guns and they're like, oh, we want to block this road. We need to block this road. And they're like, oh, shit, they're already coming out of the bank. And he's like, wait till they all get in the car. He's like, get clean shots and take them. Exactly. This is where I kind of root for the bad guy. I'm like, yeah. oh, I hope they get away. Get away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all getting in the car. The cops have stopped their car and are kind of like sneaking up, you know, slowly approaching, not to give anything away. There are two cops on the other side of the road, like moving with buses so they don't get seen. And Val Kilmer is the last one out. He's walking towards the car. The bus across the street just happens to pull forward and he sees two cops across yeah. and he just opens fire. He doesn't hesitate. He's all like... Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, uh, Michael Chirito is kind of smiling that they've made it and Val Kilmer's smiling. He sees the cops and just starts shooting. Yeah, they're all like... I'm like, oh, don't celebrate too soon. This yeah. is like a, a football game. You don't do that. You don't <laughs> You don't celebrate before, you know, the yeah. final... Because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Well... 
Um, and I, Michael Mann, his gunshots in his movies, I was telling you about it yesterday, sound so good. Right. Like, I can't imagine seeing this in a theater. It probably oh, would have reverberated. Wow. But, like, the way he does it is that he he records it directly, like, the shots. Mm -hmm. So you're hearing what really happened instead of, like, normal movies going back and putting in, like, a sound after the fact. Mm -hmm. You're hearing, like, what happened. So it sounds so real. It was it was good. Yeah. Like, good. Yeah, it, so this this massive shootout happens. Like they get in the car and they all drive. They're all the cops are all shooting at this car as they're going. And Dennis Haysbert, you know, he just gets shot and murdered. Like they shoot the driver and he gets killed. Like, Hit. And he's like just slumped on the wheel, dead. Yep. But we got three professionals here. Yeah. So they are just shooting the shit. There's cops in front of them blocking the way, and they are just shooting the shit out of these cop cars, moving forward. Like one shoots and then the other runs forward, and then the other shoots and the other runs forward. Yeah, they like shoot to cover, and then yeah. they say go, and then the one like, come on goes while well, they're covering, and they just kind of switch off. Like they yeah. all are just getting further and further away. Yeah, like one at a time, if that makes sense, kind of. Yeah, no, it does, and they really did this training. You know, like I said, Michael Mann took them all to a shooting range, and they learned how to do this professionally. Yeah, it's awesome. Val Kilmer kills the guy that played Buffalo Bill. Uh, yeah. He gets shot. I think something ricochets, it seems like, but it kills him and he's, he is dead. Mm -hmm. And that's why in Heat 2, he's trying to get out because they're like, you are so hot right now, man, because you killed a cop. You're, you got to get out. They killed a lot of cops. Like more cops are getting killed than and they're, and they're not. Yeah. You know, they're still going. Yeah, I'm surprised they only mentioned in the book that it's one because Val Kilmer shoots a shit ton of these people. Yes. Michael Chirito gets separated, like gunfire separates the three of them and he runs a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Val Kilmer gets shot in the chest or like yeah. shot. They say in the book, his, his clavicle got shattered is how they oh. mention it in the book. Ooh, so like his upper kind of by his shoulder. Yeah. Yik. And De Niro picks him up and drags him. There's like a little grocery store kind of down the way. Mm -hmm. They're in the parking lot having this massive gunfight. You know, and people are around, just regular, yeah. you know, people doing their grocery shopping. And this just shows you Michael Mann's attention to detail. He said he wanted the robbers to fire full auto, you know, like, mm -hmm. and the cops to only fire one at a time because the cops would be worried about hitting people and the robbers wouldn't give a shit. They're just trying True. to protect themselves. So yeah. Al Pacino's gun, when he shoots, it's like, yeah. So Michael Mann specifically told him to set that because he was like, the cops would not want to fire full auto for fear of hitting other people. This is true. So huh? De Niro and Kilmer get into this car and they back out and they, this car is behind it, but they, this car like gets backed out with them. Mm -hmm. They, they reverse and just knock this car out of the parking lot and they take off. They got away. Yeah. Which I thought that was great. I mean, cause you are going to unload, you're going to load your car yeah. with groceries and probably have the keys in it i don't know i don't do that I, I don't know it's true yeah but the as they drive away the back of the car is open like mm -hmm. the the trunk is open yeah it's like somebody is loading their car yeah. and then all this gunfire and they're like fuck it i'm out of here well uh we go back to chorito who is kind of on his own he's like running through people and pacino runs up across the way he like kind of sees him in the distance uh there's a very funny moment to me at least where chorito is running through a fountain and he falls yeah he's like, <laughs> which i mean Okay. And he gets up and there's this t this little girl that got separated from her parents and Chirito just picks her up and is using her as a human shield. Which I thought was so smart, but also so wrong. Yeah. No, it, it is. I mean, he's using everything he can to get out. Because he's like, they're not going to shoot me. I got a kid in my arms. Which, wait a minute. That guy's a family man. He should know. He's got kids. It I know. kind of makes it more fucked up. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. But Pacino is like, he's posted up and he's aiming down the barrel at... Chirito, 
and he's just waiting. And, you know, it's a, it's a very cool moment. It's in slow-mo. Chirito turns around, and his face is wide open, and Pacino takes the shot and just shoots this guy dead. Right in the head. And yeah. this poor girl, like, he falls down, and this girl is still in his arms. And it shows Pacino go up and get her and take her out. Yeah, but, I mean, that poor girl is scarred for life. That's what I told you, and that happened. I was like, he's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's just fell asleep. Don't worry. That's what I say when I see animals on the side of the road. I'm like, yeah. I'm just taking a nap. It's fine. Don't cry. <laughs> so all this shit is on the news that night, and we see the effects on the wives. Like, we see Chirito's wife look at the news. Mm-hmm. And then I we this was neat. Yeah, and then we see Dennis Haysbert's wife. She's at a bar, and she sees the news, and she sees that he had been murdered, the driver. Yeah. very sad you just see the looks on their face they're just like fuck yeah um so de niro takes val kilmer to a vet to get worked on Mm -hmm. which i'm like how would the vet have all this shit like he has him on oxygen he's got like an oxygen tube under his nose which i wouldn't think a vet would have i think he's um like a dirty vet maybe yeah he works it's like he's done this before, so he has a stock of everything that he needs. That makes sense because there is a, a very short deleted scene here where he was like, look, my normal fee is 15 He's like, because you guys are all over the news, I'm going to need 30 Right, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense that he's done this before. He does this on the side. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's where he sh- tells him his, like, shattered clavicle, you know. And he's like, I got him hopped up on morphine or whatever. And De Niro's like, I got to make sure that our way out didn't get compromised because they knew that we were there. What else do they know? And he's like, who wasn't there? Who probably told him? It was it was Trejo. He's like, Trejo told him, I bet, because he wasn't at the job. Exactly. And Val Kilmer is like, but Charlene, I need Charlene. And De Niro is like, <laughs> think about what you're saying. He's like, you know how impossible that's going to be to get her out with you? Yeah. He's like, go away, and then we can come back at some point like, or whatever. You got to forget about that right now. And plus, she's out of there because she calls Azaria to come get her. Yeah, Hank Azaria is with the cops. They're still working with him, and he. she was like, yes, I want out. Can you come get me? And she's holding their son, but she does have a line that really makes me feel for her where she's like, she's like, God damn you, Chris. Like, God damn you. She sees, like, what they did. Mm-hmm. So De Niro goes to Trejo's home to find him to get answers, and it's pitch black in there. He opens a door, and he sees Anna, Trejo's wife, is dead. And he goes into the living room and sees Trejo just barely hanging on to life. He's got, like, one eye that still works. He even says, he's like, I can't feel nothing. Oh, damn. But he was like, why did you do it? And he was like, he was like, he made me. Oh. And he was like, who else? He's like, was it just Wayne Grow? And he was like, they were working for Van Zant. Yeah. And he was like, and then um, De Niro was like, well, let me call the paramedics and get you. And he's like, no. He's like, Anna. Anna. Because he's like, where is Anna? And he's like, she's dead. <laughs> and he kind of does this, like. Like he's in pain, you know? Yeah. But he was like, no. He's like, I'm not going to make it. He's like, don't leave me like this. And then De Niro just shoots him right in the fucking head. So sad. His trio's just like beat to fuck and wife is dead. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. And that's where he's like, I can't feel nothing. And he talked for nothing, you know? Yeah. Meh. So we see De Niro's talking with John Voigt and he was like, where does Van Zant live? And Voight tells him his address. And he was like, another one, I need to know where Wayne Grow. Do you know who Wayne Grow is or where mm-hmm. he is? And he's like, no. He's like, well, can you find out? Put the feelers out and let me know where he's at. And he tells him that they need a new out. He was like, I don't know. He's like, our other way that we had to get out of the city is probably compromised. He's like, we need a new out. Yep. 
and I think he said new identity too or something. Yeah. And Pacino even says that here in the next scene. They're going to see the guy that gave him the information on the bank job, which mm-hmm. is Henry Rollins. But Pacino tells his the other officer, he's like, he probably is looking for a new out. And he's like, why? And he's he, because he's like, I think Neil is still in the city. And mm-hmm. the other cop's like, why would he still be here? And he's like, because he's probably looking for a new way out. He was like, because why would you trust your old way out if the bank job got told? And he's like, they wouldn't even, they probably think that their new job, their other way out has been told. Smart. But they go into this hotel and it's very cool. The I don't know if you noticed it, but this cop with the shotgun, he unloads it in the elevator and he puts in blue rounds, which are supposedly like low impact, which are not as deadly, I guess. Oh, okay. Because he uses them to shoot the hinges off the door and they knock the door down and go into this apartment. I didn't notice that he changed it. I thought, you know, shooting the hinges out was smart. Yeah, he puts in like lower impact. I, I've read about this and Michael Mann is such a perfectionist. He like, there's details on exactly like what it is. Yeah. And in the book I'm reading, there's details on exactly what guns they use. Wow. He's like, he comes up the stairs with the Benelli M9. I'm like, whoa. Oh. But yeah, he put in like lesser impact and please, you know, gun enthusiasts out there could always tell us what it is, but it seemed like it was less deadly rounds, like not real makes sense so but yes he walks up to the door and this cop shoots the bottom hinge where the hinge would be on the door and shoots the top and then pacino knocks the door down Mm -hmm. and it's henry rollins they fight for a bit and you can see henry rollins tattoo one of the tattoos he has on the back of his neck right which is for black flag the band that he was in so i thought that's kind of funny (laughs) but pacino throws him through the glass door yeah to the balcony and this is funny because Throughout the movie, Pacino keeps referencing uh, the guys who rat on people. He's like, keeps calling them rat motherfuckers. <laughs> He's like, all right, you rat motherfucker. You ratted Neil out to us. He's like, who told you about the bank job? And this is where they find out that it was Wayne Grow. Yeah. Who told them who he was. And where he's at. Um, we see the quick scene of De Niro going to Van Zant's house. You know, Van Zant, you would think, maybe he thinks that it's okay that Neil's probably in hiding now after this bank job, but he's just sitting in his house watching a hockey game. Yeah, he's just chilling. And... Uh, De Niro grabs a chair from the patio and throws it through his glass balcony or his glass door. And he's like, Wingro. He's like, where is he? And Van Zandt's like, how the hell would I know? And he just shoots this man dead. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to give him another chance. I'm yeah. just going to shoot you dead. Shoots him dead and walks out. See you later. So we see that Hank Azaria brings Ashley Judd to this safe house. And she sees that there's all these police here. And then she's kind of like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, great. It's like, you dirty rat. Yeah. And he's like, you want it out? This is out. Dirty rat motherfucker. <laughs> rat motherfucker. <laughs> and Bubba tells her that she has to give Kilmer up. He's like, you know, you give him up. You guys are free. You know, you'll be okay. And so what we want you to do is we want you to call Val Kilmer and tell him to come here and we'll take him. And you guys will be safe and free. And this is where he gives her the line where she was like, well, why would I do that? And he was like, he was like, you've already, or Val Kilmer's already made his choice. He's like, Dominic, their son, hasn't. And he's like, you know, maybe one day he grows up, he steals a car, he gets into drugs, he goes to jail, which I'm assuming he's talking about maybe her life. Yeah, he got a second chance here. Bubba does say the one one line thing again. He was like, he's like, only one answer to this, yes or no. Are you going to make the call? And she's like, yes. So Pacino is on the line to a cop, and he was like, turns out this guy who did it, his name is Wayne Grow. He sold out. De Niro and his crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that he just checked into a hotel under the fake name of Jameson at this hotel. And he is like, get the word out to everybody. All the fences, all the informants, get it on the streets. Maybe De Niro will take the bait and go get this guy and we can get him. Yeah. Smart. Again. 
So smart. Yes, very, very smart. So De Niro goes back to Edie, his girlfriend's house, and she realizes like who he is and freaks out. <laughs> yeah. She tries to run, but De Niro kind of like runs after her and grabs her, and they have like a moment where he's like kind of holding her. Yeah, you can really tell that he doesn't quite understand why she's freaking out. He's just like, <laughs> why? What? What? I love you, and this is what? I don't understand why you're freaking out. I kill people? What? And she's all like, oh my god, you lied to me, and this is like a huge lie. Yeah, she's like, this is who you really are, oh my god. Well, and it cuts to the morning, and they're there, and he's just like, you can come with me. He's like, we'll be free. You know, and we'll, and she's like, what if I want to leave? And he was like, if you want to leave, there's the door. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what if I want to leave later? Like if she goes with him and, you know, eventually wants to leave. And he's like, that will be more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll have to kill you. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's, yeah, she's in a hard spot, man. So um, De Niro goes to John Voight. And he gets the passports and stuff. He gets, like, money. And so we cut to a scene where Pacino is, comes home and he sees his wife has had sex with another man named Ralph. He's just sitting there. Which this guy has been in everything. He's been – he was in The Walking Dead, you said. Mm-hmm. He was in Terminator as the guy – Terminator 2 as the guy who gets the metal through his mouth while he's drinking milk. Oof. But I feel bad for him because he is like, oh, my God. He's like, I didn't know you were married. Yeah. He's like, I'm so, he's like, I am so sorry. He had no idea. No, but basically she's like, she says to herself, like, I had to demean myself with Ralph so I could get closure with this relationship. Mm-hmm. She's like, because she says earlier, she's like, I don't know why I can't cut loose of you. Right. And so, yeah, she's basically like, I had sex with him so this relationship would finally end and I could be free of you. Mm-hmm. It's a very funny moment where Pacino is like, you can bald my wife. You can sit here in her ex-husband's postmodernistic house or whatever. It's like, but you don't get to watch my fucking television. He pulls his TV out of the wall. <laughs> That's funny. And while they're arguing, Ralph gets up and he's like, I'm just going to go. And he's like, Ralph, sit down. <laughs> just yells at this guy. Oh, I was, it was very awkward for that guy. And I thought it was so funny that he's just like, I'm going to take my TV. Right. Yeah. And his TV. And he's like, I never cheated on you, bitch. And she's like, well, maybe you should have. He's like, what? I should have fucking cheated on you. And that's when she's like, well, I had to demean myself with Ralph to get closure in this relationship. Yeah. I kind of get it, but damn. So he leaves. And this is, yes, where Pacino, or, uh, De Niro and Edie go to Voight and they got, they get new passports and money and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Uh, De Niro's like, where's Chris at? Where's Kilmer? And he's like, he left on his own. And he's like, he went to go find Charlene. And he's like, why would you let him leave like that? And he's like, it's a free country. Yeah. <laughs> he he did his own thing, man. He's a big boy. He can make his own choices. Yeah. So we see the safe house where Judd and the police are waiting. And they're waiting for Kilmer to show up because she's made the phone call. And Kilmer pulls up in this car. He's got, it. was it brown hair? Does it look like his hair has died now? I couldn't oh, really tell. Oh, you know tell. what? Maybe. He must have, I think he's dyed his hair, but he's also cut his hair, so it's pretty short. Yeah. And he pulls up to the house, and the cops are like, hey, we need you to come out on this balcony and see if it's him or make sure if it is, get signal to come in. Right. And she comes out and sees Val Kilmer, and he, like, looks up at her, and he smiles. He's happy to see her, yeah. and she smiles back at him, and then she makes, like, a signal with her hand, and apparently it's, like, a blackjack signal to, like, stay or something. Oh, she like had a fist and then her other hand yeah, kind of swiped. Like, it's like a, in in Heat too. they mention it as being like a poker sig- term or okay. si- poker signal for like stay or hit or something. I think it's stay. So he sees that and his smile immediately goes away. Yeah. 
and he like smartly asks some guy directions for some place behind him. He's like, hey man, do you know how to get to blah 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 blah? And he's like, oh yeah, you just go down this street over here. And Ashley Judd walks back in, and she is like, nope, it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And Bubba is like, stop that car at the next stop and ID him and check him out. Yeah, and you could see Judd's face going, oh fuck. Yeah, she's probably like, oh shit. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But, you know, they pull him out, and or they just stop him, and if, after a few minutes, Bubba gets the sign, and they're like, nope, this guy's name is Jacobson or something, and the car is registered under a name, it's clean under the DMV, and he's like, all right, we'll let him go. Yeah. That, oh, wow. And Bubba is like, would you like some coffee while we wait? She's like, that'd be great. And as he walks away, Ashley Judd's crying, but she smiles a little bit. Right, that he was able to get away. Yeah. So so at this point, we get a small scene where De Niro and Edie are talking, and he says something where he was like, you know, I've realized that if I go anywhere alone, it's not worth it, you know, and it's not worth it if I don't go anywhere with without you. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of like, oh, okay, so they, they reconcile a bit. But we get a scene, De Niro is checking in with all of his guys where he's like, he checks the hotel. I think there's a police officer working the desk or something. He's like, has he shown up? And the guy's like, no, no signs of Neil. And uh, he checks that there's two agents watching Wayne Grow's room. Oh, you mean Pacino. Did I say De Niro again? Mm-hmm. Well, no, Pacino is asking if De Niro showed up. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. He's like, has De Niro shown up? And the cop at the desk's like, no, we haven't found De Niro yet. And he calls two agents watching Wayne Grow's apartment or like their hotel door. They've got him stationed like in case of any movement. And he's like, nope, we haven't seen him. We're going to sit here. And that's when Pacino is kind of finally like he's gone. Like he fi- he's left. He's not going to take the bait. And he was like, bon voyage, motherfucker. <laughs> and he was like, I'm I'm going to go to the hotel. He's staying in like a hotel, not staying at his girlfriend or his wife's house anymore. Right. And he's like, I'm going to take a hot shower. And I'm going to sleep for, for a, a month. month. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is driving to the hotel and he stops at a light and his TV kind of like rattles around in the passenger seat. Yeah. And he opens the passenger door and just kicks this fucking TV out and it shatters. Because it's, like, it's a small box TV. Yeah. It's not too big. You think he would give it to somebody and be like, hey, you want a TV? Well, I saw some what looked like some homeless people there and I thought, oh, well, that would be so nice. And he was like, hey, you want this TV? Yeah. But then he kicked it out. And I'm like, oh. Yep. Okay. Hey, TV man. I see you got a big ass TV. You got to carry it around with you. You want a small TV? <laughs> so he goes to his hotel. He opens the door and he walks through a big puddle of water on the floor. Yeah, I, he doesn't notice it though. No, no. He goes into the room and he's like taking off his tie or whatever and kind of getting ready. And then he, yeah, he goes into the. He sees the water eventually and goes into the bathroom. And shock of shocks, it's Natalie Portman is in a tub full of blood. Yes. Oh, so sad. Yeah, she apparently like cut her arms and cut her legs and mm-hmm. Pacino pulls her out and he ties off like the towels around her arms and legs. Right. And he says something of like all these people in the world or whatever. And he's like, not you. He's like, not you, baby. Yeah. Like you could tell that she he really cares for her. Yeah. And so we cut to the hospital and the mom is standing there trying to find any information out about her daughter. But Pacino pulls up and he rushes in with Natalie Portman and he's like, I need a doctor. Need a doctor here. Mm-hmm. And this always kind of watching it now, just to show you how jaded I am about movies. But Pacino, uh, he tells the doc, the nurse, he's like, "I need a trauma surgeon and yeah. I need a vascular surgeon." And if I was the nurse, I'd be like, "We got it." Yeah, we know what we're doing. Thanks. But you know, he's a cop. He knows. <laughs> he's like, she. He's like, I think she cut her uh, arteries and I think she cut the tendons. And and their doctors are getting on. They get her like a blood transfusion and stuff and. 
Um, we cut to them in the waiting room, and they tell the mom that she's out of surgery and she is recovering just fine. Yeah, her vi- her vitals are good. And the mom like cries about what she did to herself. She's like, look at what she did to herself. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having a kid and then do that. And I wrote in my notes here that Pacino almost has a moment to be a family man here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he everything's kind of lining up for him to come in and be the man that they need him to be here. But Pacino, or, uh, De Niro just pops back up again. Like, if De Niro was gone and home free, maybe this relationship would have worked. Maybe. It seems like they were, like, you know, making amends. And yeah. he's like, I'm not going to go anywhere, baby. And Yeah. And then his beeper goes off. Yeah, because we see a scene where De Niro, he gets a call from John Voight. And Voight's like, hey, your your plane's coming. It's right on time. It's going to take you. And um, he's like, I did. You asked me, so I have to tell you. Like, Wayne Grow, he is at this hotel. He's under the name Jameson. He's like, I thought you would want to know. And he's like, yeah, you're right. <sighs> and he was like, stay safe, brother. And he's like, you're home free. And there, there's a moment where it's just De Niro and Edie driving on this highway. Yep. And you're like, and he says it to her. He's like, we're home free. But like, you can see the wheels in his head. Yeah. And the wheels in his head is just churning. And he's all like, I know I should keep driving. But then there's this part of me that wants to just fucking kill this guy. Yeah. He's like, I can't let him get away with what he did to us. So he drives through several lanes of traffic. And he's like, I got something to take care of. And she's like, do we have time? And he's like, yeah, we got time. Yeah. We'll make time. So, um, yes, Neil, they pull up. He parks the car outside of an exit. And he's like, I'll be right back. Keep it running. And he goes in, and he does very smart. He pull, he gets on a phone in the hotel, and he sees, like, all the numbers that you can call, and he calls, like, information. And he's like, yeah, this is room service. Uh, Jameson ordered a BLT, but they gave me the wrong room number. Where is it? And they're like, oh, it's 267. He's like, great. Thank you. Thanks. And then he finds, like, a bunch of clothes and stuff, and he dresses up as a security guard. Mm-hmm. And he goes in, and he puts a trash can in the elevator door so he can get down pretty quickly if he needs to. And then he hits the fire alarm. I thought it was pretty smart. Very smart. Yeah. And that's when Pacino gets the beep where they're like, oh, the fire at the hotel. And um, the wife for Pacino, they're back at the waiting room. And she's like, do you think that this could work out between us? And he's like, it's like you said, he's like, all, I'm, all I am is what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not what you want. And he gets the beep and she's like, well, go ahead. And he's like, no, I'll stay here with you. And she's like, I'm fine. I can handle it. I can, I can take care of it. Yep. And she's like, just stay safe and call me and let me know that you're okay. And then all you see is dust. <laughs> it's just, it's an it's that Simpsons episode where Homer, they're like, why don't why don't you go over to Craft Services and it's just a dust outline of Homer. <laughs> yes. just, um, I did write in my notes. Yeah, he runs down these stairs. He's got like new life in him. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, Neil's back. Like Neil's still here. Shit, I'm gonna go get this guy. He's pumped. Yeah. So uh, Neil, he's like walking. He almost walks by the front desk of the hotel and he sees that there's like a big shotgun behind the desk. So, Which doesn't ever come back into play, does it? No, that's why I was like, why would a hotel have that? But I think that was a cop maybe right. stationed there. So he does slip by them, and the front guy does see the back of his head, but he doesn't get a good look. So he's kind of like, yeah, maybe it wasn't him. Well, that makes sense that he's like, oh, okay, they got a cop yeah. out here. So he keeps his head yeah. pointed in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that makes sense. So the two officers are like, well, Wayne Grove's not moving, even though there's a fire alarm going off. We're going to keep watch. Um, De Niro knocks on the door and then turns his back to the peephole so he can't see his face. And yeah. he's like, he's like, hotel security, there's a fire. We got to get you out of here. And, and Wayne Grove has like a gun, but he also is in like a hotel robe. Like he's really enjoying this shit. Exactly. Um, but he's like, no man, I can't leave. And he's like, sir, it's, well, I have to get you out of here. 
And Wayne Grow is like, well, let's talk about this, brother. He opens the door and De Niro like kicks the door into his face. Yes. And there's a really funny, like a odd moment where it's like a camera that seems like it's attached to De Niro's body. It's like mm. a body cam footage almost because De Niro is like smacking him in the face with the gun, but it cuts really quickly to like a body cam shot. Oh, wow. Which it seems kind of odd. And when I saw it, I was like, I didn't, don't remember that. That seemed, I'll play it back to you here in a minute just so mm. you can kind of see because... It just seems a little off to me. but I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, he knocks Wayne Grow onto the chair and he's like, look at me. Like, look at me. And Wayne Grow looks and he shoots him once or twice in the chest. And Wayne Grow making this sound. He's like. Yeah. And he shoots him right in the face. Which that is something Michael Mann does. Apparently that's a real technique or something for army people or whatnot or military. Oh. It's called the Mozambique drill where it's two in the chest and one in the head. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise's character in Collateral does that to everybody he murders in that movie. Hmm. Yeah, like two in the chest, one in the head. I mean, I always say you got to get the head. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so one of the the agents that's watching Wayne grow pulls a gun on De Niro, and he's like, "Turn around, put your hands behind your head." De Niro's got this big flashlight. De Niro like backs this guard up into the wall, and then he turns around and hits him and knocks him out. Yeah, because he's like, "You're not gonna shoot me." Yeah. <laughs> So Pacino, he lands in a helicopter and he gets out at the hotel and he's like looking and he sees Edie sitting in the car. She's like just sitting there in the front, the driver's, there's nobody in the driver's seat. So he's yeah. kind of like, is that his getaway car? And it wasn't parked like in a parking lot. No. We're just in the back of the hotel. So it's very out of place. Yeah. And De Niro told him at the dinner, at the coffee shop scene, he's like, I've got a woman. And right. he's like, but you're going to walk out on her? And he's like, that's the discipline. So he's kind of like. I think he puts it together that this is probably De Niro's woman and he's, this is his mm -hmm. car. He's waiting to go. Yep. Um, so he's kind of walking over to it and De Niro is coming out of the exit. There's a funny scene where he takes off his mm -hmm. clip-on tie. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. <laughs> but De Niro sees that Al Pacino is standing there and he hesitates for a moment, but he walks away. Yep. Like you could tell he doesn't want to. Yeah. But... Edie is like, what the fuck, you know? And he just turns around and walks off like she gets out of the car and she's looking at him mm -hmm. like i don't know what's happening you know what's this look in your your eyes what's happening yeah. they in the book heat too they find Edie very quickly mm. um it's like a couple of days or the same night or whatnot the next day even but al pacino's character hannah they they find neil's apartment probably from like identification or something that he had on him yeah. and they find the book that he bought at the bookstore and it still has oh. the um receipt with it so they find that he bought it at this bookstore. So they go to the bookstore, and he was like, oh, this receipt says it was bought on this time and date. Do you have security footage? And when they find it, they find De Niro, and they follow him and see that he's been sitting talking to this girl. Oh, wow. And Al Pacino's character is like, who's that girl? And they're like, oh, well, that's Edie. She works here. And that's how they find her. Mm. So it's very smart how they do yeah, it. Michael Mann cool. really thinks out his things on how he does it. Does she have the money? Because I'm like, the money's in that car, right? Oh, right. I don't know. I don't know. I I think she dis I think she just left because he's he's asking her like, "What do you know about Neil?" Oh, and she's okay. like, "I don't like I don't know anything. I don't know what happened." Like he, you know, he left. It would have been um, cool if she would have went to New Zealand and now she's like a millionaire and just right. living it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do find John Voight's character from her because he's like, "Did he go anywhere? Did he talk to anybody?" And and Edie's character is like. Well, we did stop at this bar and he talked to this guy with long hair and a mustache. Mm. And Al Pacino finds Nate's character that way. Okay. Um, not spoilers for the book, but I thought it was very interesting how they found Edie. Because he's like, 
that lady was at the hotel, and I passed her when I was going after Neil. Detective work. Yeah. So um, Al Pacino runs after De Niro. He's, like, trying to disappear in this crowd. And Pacino runs by this cop, and it's very funny. He has this gun, and he just goes, give me that shotgun. <laughs> I need a shotgun. Yeah, and I, I guess that cop knew who he was because he's all like, well, here you go. Okay. You're in regular street clothes, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the IMDb trivia is like from the moment that he says, give me that shotgun to the final line of the movie, it's like six minutes of silence. Well, of no talking. Oh, yeah. Because it's just a big chase. It's a tense moment right here. Yeah. I guess that they are not too far away from the airport because they are just running and Pacino is running through the air, the tarmac. Yeah, I mean, he's on the, wherever their planes take off and land. Yeah, and he's hiding. I guess is the tarmac. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pacino is shooting at him, and he's trying to shoot at him from a long distance with this shotgun, which that's not what shotguns are for, but it just makes me laugh, where he's like 100 feet away, and he's like, I gotcha. (laughs) Oh, I didn't hit him. (laughs) I don't get it. No. Pacino runs out of ammo on his shotgun, so he tosses it and pulls out his pistol. And yeah, De Niro is hiding in, like, behind this like mechanical box or whatever like uh, machinery several different buildings yeah they're like little small buildings or whatever yeah i'm guessing it's for the airport if something like maybe that is what they're yeah i don't know i don't know well um de niro notices that like every time a plane lands the lights for the light the landing strip comes up Mm -hmm. which i read on imdb that the lights would always be on (laughs) they wouldn't go off i don't know (laughs) They were saving energy. Yeah. So De Niro, you see, he makes the plan that he's going to shoot Pacino when the lights come back up because it gets so loud when the plane lands that you can't really hear anything. Mm -hmm. So he comes back around this corner and Pacino is like looking off another way, but he sees on the ground with all the lights on, he sees De Niro's shadow and he just twists to where De Niro is and shoots him dead. Yes. He just immediately knows where he is and just. Yeah, it was. The very tense moment. Yeah. Like, because I was like, who's going to find who first? Right. Because that's the person that's going to die. Did you or, think that he could get away? Well, only if he killed him. Only yeah. if he killed Pacino, which I don't know. And then I'm like, well, maybe my other theory, they're just going to kill each other. They Because they both turned toward each other. Yeah. And if they shot just right, they could have killed each other. Yeah, they could have very well. Um, But that's it. Pacino is like, he falls back on like a... Yeah, again. A thing. Something. <laughs> a metal box or whatever. He's like laying there. And Pacino walks up to him and De Niro's like, I told you I was never going back. Yeah. And Pacino's like, yeah. Which is the last line of the movie. Yeah. Or I thought you said I know. Or something like that. Yeah. Well, And then De Niro holds his hand out and Pacino takes it. And there's just this fantastic shot that I want to, hopefully I can find like a wallpaper of because it's just beautiful where it's like from... Pacino's got his back to the camera, mm-hmm. and you just see De Niro lying there dead, and it holds on it for a couple of, like, maybe a minute or two, and then it just cuts to black. Yes. And you see De Niro, like, pass out dead. It, that was insane. Yeah. Like, it was so heartfelt, because you're like, oh, they're connected. Yeah. They're friends, even though they're not. They're, yeah, I <laughs> it's mean. It's just kind of a bizarre relationship that they have, yeah. but at the end, they both connected and kind of understood why each other did what they did like pacino is killed probably the only person that knows what he what his life is like yep yep exactly and there's a really great line in the book where pacino says he can still feel his pulse in his hand where he was like it says pacino he's like kind of moving his hand around you know Mm -hmm. and he was like oh he remembers his pulse how it felt in his hand when he died damn so 
amazing, amazing movie. Like this is my favorite of Michael Mann's movies. You know, I mean, uh, Collateral is great. The Johnny Depp Public Enemies movie I thought was just okay, but I, I just I love this movie so much. Yeah, it was fantastic. Like even with some of the things that they couldn't do very well during the time. Yeah, was still just. It's fine that that yeah. didn't work out because the storyline is so fucking good. Yes. And, you know, like I said, when we were making notes, I'm like, you know, not a lot happens in it, if that makes sense. Right. When we try and do some movies, we try to take notes. We have to stop sometimes because there's just so much plot. Mm -hmm. But this is just a long, like, you really get to know these people. Yep. You get to know their motivations. You see their home lives. You know, you really get to kind of know them. And maybe that... The character of Dennis Haysbert doesn't work, but or the the earlier scenes kind of seem out of place. But right. you know, you get to know him too, right? You get to know his motivations, and hell yeah, he's going to take another bank job because he doesn't have to fucking work at this place. And if he can take just that little time, and I was connected to him, yeah. I mean, I, and that doesn't usually happen. No, if it's just a short scene of somebody, I'm just like, oh well, he died. Yeah, but I'm like, he died. Yeah, but this movie, you know, was highly influential. Christopher Nolan, who directed Batman, apparently mm. he loves Michael Mann. And this movie, you know, if we ever watch The Dark Knight here soon, hopefully if you watched it, you could kind of see similarities. Right. Just the color, kind of like the way he wanted uh, Gotham in the movie. They filmed it in Chicago, but he wanted it to kind of look like L.A., kind of the way L.A. looks in this movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. I try to watch it, you know not too long in between watches i try to watch it again and stuff but um yeah that was my pick this because i don't know if we said it at the beginning but we are doing crime month i was just gonna ask <laughs> i'm like we didn't even say what we're no, doing this we just month. got going i just got in it but we're doing crime month and that's why we picked up heat um and i wanted to do it because, you know, I'm reading the book now and I thought it would be fun to talk about. Yeah, and I had never seen it. So this is a good yeah. chance for me to see it. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would highly suggest it because, of course, we, we talk about a lot of things, but not every single thing. You can't cover everything. And, yeah. and with a movie being three hours, I mean, we're, as of right now, a little over two hours into this. Yeah. I, I tried to move, but you really don't get, I, I can't get, you know characters i can't describe them right or, exactly so uh, highly 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 recommend to watch it exactly and if you want to know more like we on our last episode when our uh, celebrity spotlight when we talked about estelle getty we also talked at the beginning about our uh, new york trip mm -hmm. and what we brought home from the new york trip why we sound still a little stopped <laughs> up we got COVID. <laughs> so Re listen to that for more. If you're interested in that, then you can listen to Estelle Getty and, yeah. and find out a little bit more about us. Um, but if not, that's cool, too. You can just fast forward through that part and still listen to Estelle Getty because yes. I freaking love her. I enjoy doing that. Um, and, and I hope you guys enjoy it, too. Yeah. And you can join us on social media, which we're on Twitter and Instagram um, mainly, but we're on pretty much every platform um we would love for you to share with a friend review and rate and all of that fun stuff that we say at the end and we really appreciate everybody listening and and getting the word out about us yes so well thank you for listening for this extended episode we had a great time listening to it and we thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode Bye bye